0: Bright Fights invites you to Voidcon. Voidcon is the gathering of horror writers, filmmakers, artists, musicians, and creators. A counterculture of contourism, occulted and shadowed. This is not the convention at which you'll find purveyors of Cthulhu plushies and Scream posters. This is a convention at which you'll find forbidden things, subversive and dangerous ideas. Horror. Screenings include Scooter McRae's underground short, St. Frankenstein, Derek Carey's horror anthology, Hole in the Wall, and a screening of the Troma classic, Redneck Zombies, hosted by Troma Now's D- fantastic Disaster Piece Theater. Special guests will include Brian Keene, Joe Cock, Charlene Ellsby, Paula D. Ash, Burial Grid, O.F. Siri, Weird Punk Books, Clash Books, Filthy Loot, and more to be announced. Get your tickets today.
1: and ghouls. turn out the lights, and keep the popcorn coming, because it's time for another
2: episode of Fright Fights Podcast. Fright, Fright, Fright Fights podcast. podcast. Get ready for your gore game. Ah!
1: Tyler Cavan, Chris Lax, and Mike McKinney tackling horror news, reviews, and fight for their survival. Coming to you from the Fright Fights Fear Lodge. Get ready to sink your fangs
2: into a battle that will make your blood run cold. This is Fright Fights. Fright Fights. Welcome back, everybody. This is Chris from Fright Fights Podcast, and I got a twisted T for a twisted me, and I've got my homeboys here, Mike and Tyler, and we're going to get started here soon with a battle of three films that have a franchise of only one sequel involved, but before we get started with that, we're going to talk a little bit about some horror news. Hell yeah! Sounds good. Dude, I'll tell you what, we're back, we're back, brother. Horror news.
0: What kind of horror news has been going on in the world of horror? Let's see.
2: So this one isn't really, like, newsworthy. And I haven't seen it in any news headlines or anything. But you've seen recently where they announced that Chucky Series 3 will be airing on Sci-Fi and USA Network this year, right? And then Season 3 will also be airing on Peacock Streaming Service. But everybody kept asking, like, where's Chucky Season 2? Season two was never released on Peacock. It was never on streaming. Well, without making any announcements or anything, um, they quietly released season two on the Peacock. So if you haven't seen season two and anticipating for season three, now's your chance. Go to Peacock streaming service and download the app. You can watch season two as well as season one to get caught up in time for season three to hit.
0: Oh, nice. I actually never All watched right. the the first season or the second. I've seen the first episode. It was good. Very good. I just never really got into it. Are you caught up, Chris? I
2: like. I I haven't seen season two. I I just really like logged on to Peacock like two days ago and saw that it was actually added on there for the beginning of September to stream. And I was like, well, crap! I haven't seen the second season yet because it was never released except on TV airings, and I couldn't watch it, you know, week by week. So mm. uh, finally, I'll get a chance to watch it. I'm going to try to air or watch it before season three comes out.
0: Well, another thing I think that got announced recently was, was it season three or season four, a Creep Show? It's going to be coming. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah season four.
0: I can't wait to see that because I actually really love those. I mean, they're hit or miss. Some of them are better than others, but overall, I think it's a fantastic yeah. series. It's really kind of what put Shut on the Map. I feel like that and Joe Bob Riggs both together everybody seemed like they were subscribing just for those two shows when it first you know kind of blew up as an app and became popular so i'm I'm excited to see what they continue to do and kind of give that series some love because it's been what two years at least three years since the last one came out and I thought they were done with it so it's nice to yeah see.
2: two years like covid really put a, a hit on that where they had to cancel filming during the third season um or slow down during the third season mm-hmm. but uh that season actually brought one of my favorite episodes I, at least i think it's from season season three it might be season two that it's from um it's the one that is the evil dead episode where it looks like almost like a bob ross type video show being made and like then you know the <laughs> Necronomicon gets open uh, i can't remember what season that's from i was, t- I was t- uh, talking to mike about it uh, at work the other day and he hadn't seen it yet and i was like man if you go to watch at least one episode from that show Check out the Evil Dead episode because it feels just like it came from one of the Evil Dead movies, and it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, that was my favorite episode that season. It was it was definitely the one you can tell you put the most love into. And I remember I, before I even watched it, somebody like put online they were like, you know, you've got to see this Evil Dead episode of you know Creep Show. And I'm like, what the hell? They have an Evil Dead episode now. <laughs> on, watch it. It's absolutely insane. I, I can't believe like how fun it was. Like It just truly is a great, great, great um segment. Yeah.
2: And I was really let down oh, too, yeah. because in like the preview for that same season showed this guy holding a sphere from Phantasm. And he, he's like holding it up, and it shows somebody like getting ready to be killed by it and everything. And I was like, oh my gosh, not only do they have an Evil Dead episode, but they have a Phantasm episode. I was like, this is awesome. And then you learn that it's not actually a Phantasm episode, it's just somebody who collects horror merchandise and they have like a replica and they're holding it in their shop. And I was like, well, that kind of sucks. But it was like, oh well, they got the Evil Dead one going. So I'm happy with that.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Heck yeah.
0: You know what I've been playing yeah, yeah. recently as well. Um, I forgot to mention was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre game. Have you guys had a chance to play yet? I mean, it just came out.
1: No, but how
0: is it? It's I'm actually pretty. It's it's pretty good. I know Chris at least is a fan. What is that?
2: Oh, is that this is yeah. a board
1: game?
0: That's awesome. I don't. Yeah, that's that's dude. That's awesome.
2: How do you? Sorry put... I didn't mean to be interrupted. No, no, no,
0: it's good. I'm just kind of like I'm, I was like looking at that. I'm like, wait. You have some kind of like weird limited edition of this like game, but you have the board game actually. Where did (laughs) how do you play that exactly?
2: Um, I don't know. It just says the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Slaughterhouse. Uh, apparently you have to move your characters around the board and escape from the victim that's moving the same time as you are, I guess. But, uh, this came out right before the video game was released. Mm-hmm. And, um, I thought it was kind of weird timing that they would release this before the video game, maybe trying to trick people into purchasing it. I don't know. Uh, it's a hefty price. This This thing costs like 70 bucks. Jesus. But, wow. Still wow. really cool though.
0: It looks beautiful. Yeah, it's great. Um, even before I get started on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre game, I will say that's by, I think it was Funko it looked like on there. And Funko's yep. been putting out some amazing horror stuff. Like, they put out that game. They put out the Scream game, which the Scream game's great. You download an app, and Ghostface calls you, like, every, like, 30 seconds. I remember that. Yeah, he, like, targets each player one by one, and you have to, it, it's it's great. And it's, it's on a time limit, so you have 20 minutes before time runs out and Ghostface kills everybody in the game. And it's, it's fantastic. It actually uses your cell phone, which I thought was very, you know, innovative. But anyway, um, Text Chainsaw Massacre game, it was good. Um, it's not great by any means. Graphics are, are good. Um, the maps are kind of, you know, they're, they're okay. Um, it's very reminiscent, obviously, of the Friday the 13th game. I think it's no better or no worse. I think it's just, it's fine. Um, there's this weird thing you have to do where you, um, feed Grandpa blood, and that helps you <laughs> detect victims. Like so, you can play as part of the family, or you can play as like the victims. I play as the family mostly because that, that's how I know how to play better. But as you're like going around there, you have to like collect buckets of blood, and you're so there just like feeding Grandpa blood, and you have to find where he's at, um, and, and just do it. I mean, it's 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 kind of interesting, um, but overall, it's a fun game. I mean, it's it's all right. Um, cool. It's a little scary. I mean, it has some, has some nice, like little horror moments in it. It feels very, you kind of go down below the house a lot and you're navigating these chambers. And I'm sure if like you're a victim, that would be terrifying because as the other players are like hunting you down, it does get pretty like dark and sinister. It's, it's pretty cool, but, um, sure. I would recommend it. If you like the Friday the 13th game, I know Chris is the biggest fan of that game. Um, you definitely would love, um, Takes to master. Too bad we can't play together because, you know, Chris has. Yeah. yeah. I mean. golly. <laughs> God.
1: Chris. Unbelievable. Look.
0: How did buy? Me you? and Mike
2: can play. Me and Mike can play together. Mike's got an Xbox.
0: One, what, so now I'm the odd guy
1: out.
2: What do I do now? Yeah,
1: I was. I, I was just giving Chris a hard time. I knew he had an Xbox, but I wanted to give him a hard time. But yeah, Tyler, <laughs> you, you have to get on board, man. You got to get an Xbox.
0: <laughs> yeah, we all need to play together. That'd be fun. But uh, let's chat movies. Um, it's been a while. We've obviously been in what fucking hibernation now for four months. So coming out of break, we've seen like tons of movies and we've been very busy. But besides that, I mean, I can't even remember back the last movie that we discussed on the show that we watched, but I know recently me being an A24 fan I know you guys are just the biggest fans of A24 how do you that's something you know okay that's something I want to address how do you guys feel necessarily about A24 horror movies because I think that it's very subjective uh, I know Chris
2: so big- so me and Mike uh, were going through it one day at work we were watching a bunch of different horror trailers together that we hadn't seen yet and this was right when talk to me like debuted their trailer and Mike was like yeah let's watch the talk to me trailer as soon as it starts and we see the A twenty-four logo pop up, me and Mike both look at each other in disgust and just went, Oh God. And I we almost were done with the trailer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were done watching the trailer. And then the entire internet was like, Hey, talk to me is actually a really, really good movie. It's actually really scary with dark undertones to it. Check it out, regardless of whether you like A24. And like every single person was saying the same thing. So then I started watching the trailer again and I started getting like reading more reviews about it. And every single review was positive And I was like, now I got to check this out. This seems like it's really, really cool. I haven't seen it yet though.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, okay. So it's so, not B24's best movie by any means in terms of horror. People love it just like it's the best, but I personally have my favorites, but I'll let Mike, I'll let Mike go real quick. Cause I want to hear what he thinks.
1: I will say this. Um, I was not going to see this just because it's a 24 but all the rave and talk about it on social media kind of drew my interest so it was actually my wife and i our anniversary and then we were like we went to dinner and we didn't know what to do and i was like you know what let's go to this movie i'm kind of interested in it so she she saddled up and went to the movie with me so we went to see uh talk to me me hating a24 in general I was just going in there for to kill two hours but i will give it this much it's a great film it's it's creepy i wouldn't say it's like um i wouldn't say it's like a drop dead like scare of your life but it's bothering and it keeps you kind of interested throughout the whole movie i thought it, i thought the movie was shot well i thought the actors and actresses were great throughout the movie M- me personally i love the ending um it it just kept you wanting more and to me it really didn't feel like an a24 other a24 movies because i lose my interest like kind of midway through the a24 movies in general but this kept my attention it kept me um kind of on the edge of my seat um the thought of not knowing what was going to happen made it worthwhile and um i thought i thought talk to me was a pretty phenomenal movie i enjoyed it i did enjoy it
0: well yeah i mean i think something is interesting about a24 um even outside of the film um talk to me is the fact that they pick up a lot of indie filmmakers movies so they're not necessarily a production company that will make movies directly from their studio. They'll sometimes commission outside, you know, sources or they'll go to festivals and stuff like that. So this was actually, Talk To Me, was not made for A24. I think that might have been something that kind of made it seem a little bit different. It definitely had its vibes of A24. Um, and of course, like online, the people are always like, you know, this film has A24 vibes. What does that mean exactly? and to me i think it's definitely subjective um but i mean there's definitely traits that a24 uses to kind of give that vibe but i think my main point is this was made by youtubers um, rocka rocka i don't know if anybody i don't know if you guys have watched them on youtube i haven't apparently I have like 14 million subscribers but they basically got a bunch of australian grants and they use their youtube money to put aside i think it was like five million dollars almost it's like four or five million dollars and they made this film completely independently in australia that's why they all had australian accents it was an australian film and they just put it in australian festivals as youtubers and a24 was there and i guess they received the phone call the next day after the festival and a 24 was like what can we do to get your movie because we absolutely would distribute this for you 100 percent and they accepted it. i mean they, they were absolutely shocked and they called back and said, we think we can get it in over 3,000 theaters across, you know, the nation. And they were like, this is much bigger. They thought that it would be released on, like, 10 screens. Like, they thought it was going to be a direct-to-VOD kind of thing. So, the fact that wow. 24 was able to see this, um, as YouTubers, never made a film before, pick it up, release it wider than, you know, any... Like, a lot of other horror movies doesn't even get a release that wide. So, I think that was definitely a, a great feat to undergo.
2: But as a yeah, film... That's- that's Good. weird because like the, the YouTuber you just mentioned, the Raka Raka, I've heard the videos or I've heard the name before and I've actually seen some of their videos, but I'm only familiar with what they do as far as certain things. I've never seen anything else besides these videos. It's, it's like a, uh, a grouping of this guy that dresses up like Ronald McDonald and he does wrestling shows and he does like really violent and gory wrestling, like those death matches where they, like, hit each other with, like, white bulb tubes and stuff like that. Um, That's the only ones that I've seen is, like, those videos with him dressing up as Ronald McDonald and they uh, go through and do all these wrestling things with him. Uh, At least I'm thinking that's the same thing, but they're the same channel.
0: I think it might be. I haven't really watched any of their videos either. I did see the making of, and they kind of, like, showed a couple clips from their YouTube videos. And that kind of seemed like what they kind of did. They have tons of subscribers. It's a very like viral YouTube channel. So they've definitely been doing this for a while. So I'm glad that they were able to finally... I knew they had like a dream to make a horror movie, they said. So, I mean, it didn't work out once for them because guess what? The second movie was greenlit, what, a week later or two weeks later? So the fact that we're already getting a second Talk To Me after the first one was so successful, it's insane. And it's crazy how it kind of like just changes, like how fast your life can change as, you know, you try, you have a, you, you're a YouTuber with a dream. You make a film, it gets noticed. Next thing you know, you're making the sequels, you're making other films, you're becoming like this crazy Hollywood, you know, in demand, you know, next to the Let's say, I mean, there's tons of people you could talk about. Like, I mean, a one point, Toby Hooper, um, same, same kind of thing, but you know, overall, I have to say that talk to me was very, very good. I loved the idea. So we didn't really set this up for the mic. Um, The hand. So what it is, yeah. is kind of like a party trick it becomes. So basically all these friends gather together and it's kind of like a take on, I guess you would say the dangers of social media or, you know, that, kind of like making fun of people on social media. Because what they do is they get all their friends together and they take this hand and what you do is you hold it and you say, talk to me. And when you say that, you see like an apparition, like a ghost comes and finds you. And the next part of it is you say, I let you in. And whenever you say, I let you in the, the apparition of the ghost that appeared in front of you enters your body and it makes you do like really erratic stuff or you do some like really fucked up stuff. And next thing you know, like they're all taking videos, they're all posting to Snapchats or doing their social medias. Like they're like, Oh, they think it's the funniest thing ever. But what happens is, is, you know, if you stay in there too long, they want to stay. That's kind of like the the gimmick. So this one girl is struggling with the loss of her mom. She does the whole thing and her mom supposedly comes through one of her friends to her. Not one of her friends. It's actually the boy, the little boy. Um The boy. I forgot the boy's name. But it's like this little boy that is it's like his sister wouldn't let him come to the it's a very long story I, feel like I have to tell them, like get you to understand Yeah. That. but basically <laughs> there's like this party they're having and this little boy wanted to go with his sister which was a friend of this girl who had lost her mom they get to the party they're like well I don't think it's a good idea that you play the game talk to me and you know do the whole thing because you're young you're vulnerable and he's like why can't you just let me be part of you like you know what are you guys like what do I have to be like the kid in the corner watching you guys have fun so they're like you know what 40 50 seconds max and then the mom comes through and starts talking to the girl that has the loss and the next thing you know i mean they're in there for what two minutes two and a half minutes
2: yeah and then
0: shit starts going wrong but the end of this is so there you get to see the apparition that's haunting this little boy And it's so, like, fucking, like, weird and crazy. Yes, stuff that happens. In the very ending, I don't want to give it away because it's still fairly new. I want Chris to see it, too. But I'm telling you, the ending, the very first time I watched it, I was like, yeah, the ending was good. I get it. I went to go see it a second time. And knowing what happens at the end the second time and watching back through the entire film and seeing what was coming, it really kind of connected and it made a lot more sense. And I really did enjoy a lot of the ongoing themes throughout because what happens is, well, I can't give it away. But basically what happens is absolutely, you can see it coming a mile away. And if you know what's going on, like throughout the film, it just blows your mind how like superb it is and how like very particular it is. And it's just beautifully done. It's not necessarily art house. It does have some art house qualities to it. It was well acted. It was well shot. You probably, I mean, it kind of needed subtitles because their accents are pretty thick and Australian. But overall, I have to just, I have to just definitely say it was one of the better films I've seen this year. It may have been my favorite horror film of the year, which I know it's very, very early. And what well, Scream Six was pretty good too. But I mean, it's it was like a solid eight, and I, I gave it a solid eight, and it's a very high eight. Like at one point, I was like, should I give this a nine? But yeah. I, I, I think that that's fair. I think it was you know, well deserving of that.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, I agree with you. I thought, I thought the way it was shot, especially how it ended. Um, I guess I gotta be careful how I say this. It, it just, it opened your eyes up, you know, to like how everything happens and and it unfolds throughout the movie. Um, but <laughs> there's a part in this movie. That is so disturbing and it it starts and it's about with the little boy after he gets like consumed by this demon. Um, it's what the demon does to the boy's body. It's just un freaking believable, but there's a part where (sighs) I gotta be careful. There's a part of what after what this, what this demon's doing to this boy, but the, the boy looks up with the demon inside and I think he looks at his sister or uh the friend and it's he's laughing and like like he's just smiling and that smile that dead stare and the laughing with the demon doing what they're doing to the boy's body is just it was like frozen i was like this is disturbing this is so disturbing but um i'm right there with you the movie was done very well it is a very very thick accent But i didn't really mind it either because i was so entertained with just you know their actions rather than their words um and i was very intrigued by the the hand itself and the game um but a very entertaining movie uh i as well i ended up giving this movie a nine just because it's it's a rememberable movie it stood out for me and not too many movies like that have make a Make an imp- impact on me now, but this movie really did. It was very good.
0: I think that we definitely could say at the very end of it, the one thing that I really loved was you know, when they were at shows at the hospital and she's seen everybody and then the light yep. starts shutting off and then she sees her dad there. That's not giving necessarily like details away, but that how the lights were turning off and then losing that and seeing the, the doors close in front of her that was absolutely heartbreaking and it, that's it that's kind of like something you want to say too is like you know this film goes back you know it past horror it kind of yeah. it, it's very it's sad it's a very sad film about loss and grief and how far yeah. would you be willing to go to try to reconnect with somebody that is like a deep you know love of yours or even a loved one or a father or a mother and i think it just shows desperation I mean, it really does. So yeah. it, it was it was great. I'm actually trying to find a picture of this demon to show Chris because it's just oh, so man. it's whack. It's like so crazy. I'll have to I'll have to look it up and send it to you guys later. I mean, for Chris especially because I think that he would. It's, yeah, it's, it's great. It's really well done. It was all practical, all of it. So that's even.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, if you guys want to know exactly how how much me and Mike don't like a24 films and i think i I think mike's the same level as me um so before we took our hiatus for the summer because of vacations and everything uh we had a scheduled episode plan to do an a24 episode where we we chose three movies we were going to watch three movies and review the three movies i still haven't watched all three of those movies
1: I won't. Come on
0: <laughs> have you got, okay, wait, 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 wait. Hereditary. Since we're not going to have this episode, let's, did you guys watch Hereditary?
1: I did, yes. Yes, you uh, loved I, it. I, 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 I watched I, it. No. And, How did you I didn't care for it. I did not, I did not oh,
2: care for Lord it. Okay. No, we're about to get it. <laughs> okay. First get. of all, one of the things that bothered me the most about this movie was the filmmaking side of it.
0: It's so good, fact, true, true, no, true. no.
2: It's no. the best it, you've ever
0: seen, right, Chris?
2: No. So there are moments when, and this comes from like the filmmaker side of me where I, that I didn't like it. So there's a scene specifically where oh, the, it, it, it cuts from one, one scene to the other. And this is during the time period when somebody is going to call and tell them about the death of some of a of, of family member if I can't remember it's been months that someone dies and they're calling them and the person's the the dad is supposed to get the phone call and and hear the news right so as a viewer we already know what the news is so we're just witnessing somebody else get the news so the camera cuts from someone making the call to then it's like the camera's inside the room and it slowly pulls back away. As you hear the phone ringing. And I mean, slowly, like for like 15 to 20 seconds. And then finally reveals that the the phone is sitting next to the dad and the dad is like reading a newspaper. And then the dad picks the phone up and it cuts away again. It's like, we did not need 30 to 40 seconds (laughs) of a camera pulling back to reveal a phone for someone to pick up when we already as viewers know what the news is it was it was just unnecessary it just to me it was they didn't know what to do they they were just like we have really cool ideas for shots but we don't know how to utilize them for the movie um but the film uh, was two hours what about the other hour and 59 minutes it was genius no it was boring it was boring i hated the ending i hated everything about the movie the main woman is the most annoying mother, aside from like the Babadook, um, annoying mother characters that I've seen. She makes these really weird faces throughout the entire movie of every emotion, no matter what she's doing, if she's sad, happy, (laughs) non-emotional, whatsoever, she's always going like, like when she gets ready to speak, I know if you were like people listening can't see my mouth here, Tyler, but I want you to watch me as I'm doing this. If she's gonna say, Tyler, I'm home, she goes, Tyler, I'm home. (laughs) <laughs> like she does these really weird facial expressions through everything. And I was Will you just so do that one more time. By for the audience no, absolutely not. <laughs> her scene, though, um,
0: that was in the, um, they were having dinner and it was to the son. What was his name? Crap. But it was over Charlie. And it was the grief of Charlie's death and where she, you know, she was killed. And they were all kind of like having this tension. And Tony Collette's character just absolutely erupts. And goes to this whole entire speech. I think that was great. I love that one. That was actually enough to, I, I felt like she deserved an Oscar nomination. I know a lot of people was like, let's campaign for Tony Collette to get an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. I thought that
2: was I will I tell you, I met her
0: too. Millie Shapiro. She's fantastic. I love her so much. She's great. Best movie ever. No, it's not oh, the best man. movie ever. I, I gave it a solid, I think I think it was... A, was that a 10? I think I would probably give it close to a 10.
1: Her head yeah. in a tree. That's basically eight. what happened.
2: <laughs> Tyler, I, I'm pretty sure... I'd have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure I gave this movie a 4. There's no... Uh,
0: well, I mean... I, I think was I forgot saying, to rate it. There, there are a few... There is, is probably... Out of everybody's watch,
2: <laughs> I think I forgot to rate
0: it. I'm pissed. Mike, <laughs> please watch it. Come on. I,
1: I did. I, I saw it. Watch it. Was, it. Okay, great. You loved no, it. I um I forgot to rate it. Oh <laughs> so my god. I did not. I did not enjoy it. I did not enjoy it. All right. So I did not know this. I said so I was looking up this A24 movies in general. And I did not know this was an A24 movie. It's non-horror related, so I won't talk about this much. But it's called Uncut Gems. Great movie. Did not know that was an A24. It has Adam Sandler in it. It's like a serious role.
0: Yeah, crafty Um, brothers.
1: So, yeah, had no clue that was by A24. That is a great movie. So two movies out of this whole pack of crap. (laughs) Like Uncut Gems and then Talk to Me. Really good. Uh, i'll
2: I'll describe uh hereditary seems like one of those movies that is made for people who are not horror fans to watch it and say i watched a horror movie and it scared me and even though they're not fans of horror movies they claim they're horror fans because they saw that movie well
0: okay so here's how i feel about it um this is my hot take on a24
2: so they're they're made for people who are not fans of horror films
0: i've been i've been a horror fan since a really really young kid so probably like you know back in the late 90s early 2000s i truly became a horror fan so what 12 13 years before a24 even became a company i loved horror and the way i seen it, I grew up with the films that were mostly released in the eighties. You know, I, I love the Nightmare on Elm Street series. I love nineties slashers. I remember watching Scream as a kid and, you know, absolutely were terrified by it. And people were always talking about it and stuff. And obviously as we see these new adaptations of, let's say, Scream come out or Halloween come out or any kind of like film from like legacy characters they're having to reinvent them um because this the things that were working back in the 1980s and 90s as film and horror they're not going to work today because times have changed so much it wouldn't make logical sense a lot of times so i feel like as this new gen z comes out and starts finding what they love and their passions with film and you know what kind of genres they're into when it comes down to it you know a24 They're bringing these very super sleek new age type horror films that haven't really been done before, but it's using very modern ideas and themes. They're using art form and all this kind of stuff. They're using non-character actors, very specific palettes, all this stuff. To kind of like draw this next generation of like horror fans. Now, of course, these horror fans may love, you know, some of the older stuff too, but just to get them into the genre and get them into it, I think A24, because I mean, if you think about it, like back in the 80s, like what were people talking about the most? They were talking about, you know, Netman Street. they were talking about the Halloween series. They were talking about all these crazy, you know, popular franchises, Friday the 13th. Today, we see discussions online about hereditary. We see discussions about The Witch, Midsummer, um, all these like A24 horror movies. So personally, I've embraced it. I still love the older style of horror movie. I love modern horror movies. I love the the horror movies coming out of Blumhouse. I watch Blumhouse films. I watch A24 films. I mean any kind of horror that comes out that I would consider to be good, I've kind of just went with it. But it is it's different. I know the A24. Isn't necessarily the horror that we would think like of like, you know, when we think horror, sometimes it doesn't feel like age 24. But I think that moving forward, this is kind of be what gets kids into horror and opens them up. to.
2: I'm all for that. I'm I'm glad that people have something to watch as long as it is horror films and it's getting people in the horror genre. I'm happy for it. But I'm just saying that 99% of the stuff that they release is not for me.
0: What about Under the Skin? Do you like Under the Skin?
2: Never seen it. Had no interest in it.
0: Um, You like The Witch?
2: I hated The Witch. No way. Yeah. Okay,
0: so you did see... You watch Green Room. You watch Green Room. We watched Green Room together. That's Green Room is part. the
2: only movie that they've released that I actually liked. Besides... Uh, no, I think that might be it. That might be the only movie that I've seen that I like <laughs> from him.
0: The Black Coat's Daughter. That was good. That was Oz Perkins, Anthony Perkins' son. Um, A ghost story, I don't suggest you guys watch that. You will hate it.
1: Um, (laughs) Isn't that about, like, someone that dies and kind of follows the person around, like, the family as they grow apart or something like that?
0: No, it's like a – The
1: sheet, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: there's There's a scene where he eats an apple pie for, like, six minutes. But, again, a ghost story is slow cinema. It's not meant to be. And there, it's a thing. Slow cinema is a thing. So, like, the guy who made this was making it to be a very slow, very yeah. you know, paced film like that. I was well, waiting for Chris to say something about this.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I, I think I'm done with talking about A24. Like, I don't I'm, have anything oh, I, good to I, say wait, about wait, it. Wait,
0: wait. You know what? Okay. How about X? X and Pearl. You guys haven't watched this, have you?
2: You need I'm to not
1: saying, no. Okay.
2: I am interested, I will say this, I am interested in seeing X and Pearl. Those seem like movies I might like. Maybe.
0: Listen, Mia Goth, I think you guys will dig it. Um, We'll move on, but I do want to say that X and Pearl, directed by Ty West, think about his films in the past, like obviously he's made some like really, really good horror movies. I know a lot of people love The Innkeepers, I love The Innkeepers, This seemed like a 1970s kind of like softcore porn slash slasher film. felt very Florida. It felt very – it was Killer Grandma-esque. I don't know how – Mike, I think the best I could do to describe it, you know, Barbarian? Imagine Barbarian, but if they were making a film and it was set in the 70s, it has the same kind of vibe of like being bonkers. It's bonkers is what I should say okay so i mean i think you guys should check it out i think you might like it but i need to ask chris um about something else that i don't know if he's gonna like or not and it is the haunted mansion
2: yep so i took my daughter uh who was seven to see the haunted mansion she had never seen the well she seen like bits and pieces of the original haunted mansion and uh, I was really excited because it's I want to get her into, you know, the horror genre and watch some scary stuff. And I thought, you know, this would be something to kind of ease her into it as well, because up until then, we've only watched maybe one or two movies in theaters that was not an animated film. Um, so I was really looking forward to taking her and I actually kind of wanted to see it myself. I was very let down with it because the movie tonely is it's very dark, but it's not interesting like everything that happens you there's just no real interest in it. it's just very bland um mid you use whenever we did the evil dead remake it was just very mid like you don't really care about any of the characters you don't care about any of the ghosts you don't care about anything that happens to them the comedy is very strange in it too um it's nothing that's gonna be like laugh out loud funny it's just these really one-liner jokes that happen and maybe you smirk once or twice and that's about, I think I laughed out loud one time and it was for something extremely stupid. Um, there's a scene where Danny DeVito's character is on a bed and or on a couch, I'm sorry, he's on a couch and the couch gets um, like thrown out the door and down the steps. And as it's going down the steps, like one by one, Danny the video is like, as he's trying to like talk to somebody. And I just, for some reason, that just made me chuckle. I don't know why. Um, but other than that, like the, the comedy in it, it's, it's supposed to be a, a, like a comedy, you know, comedy first and then scary later. Right. But the comedy just wasn't there. It wasn't funny. And like I said, everything was just very, very blah. To where you just didn't care about anything that happening, and it was like two hours, two and a half hours longer. So it was like a really long movie, I think. At least it felt like it. I know it was really long compared to the usual. uh My daughter said she liked it, but at the same time, she kept asking every twenty minutes if she could leave and go home. So I don't know how she really <laughs> felt. What
1: did
2: you think about it, Tyler?
0: Uh, you know, I think I agree. Um, the runtime was a little over two hours. I think maybe if it was like an hour and a half, it may have been a little bit more successful. But something I want to make a particular note of, as you mentioned, is the comedy, because this obviously was made as a as, as kind of like a family kind of gateway horror. I think it does a great job of being a gateway horror because it kind of was scary. To be a Disney. Yeah, comic. it
2: was. It was pretty dark, mm-hmm. like I said.
0: I can't believe they released a PG-13 Haunted Mansion film. I think that was kind of crazy. Going into it, I was like, you know, is this going to be a little bit more intense than I thought? And, I mean, by any means, by the horror fan that's been desensitized like us, we didn't really probably see it as that scary. But if you really think about it, like, it's kind of like – your daughter was pretty scared, wasn't she, at times?
2: Some. Not really. It it was mainly – it was mainly sounds that she's really scared by and not really, like, what she sees. Yeah. So there wasn't much of, like, audio that was scary. So there was a couple times whenever, like, they, like, was alluring to something happening and she was, like, covering her ears because she didn't know she was going to hear something that she didn't want to hear. But mm-hmm. that really never never really happened. It didn't span out to anything.
0: Well, the Hatbox Ghost, I thought the Hatbox Ghost himself was pretty intense. Like, that last, like, 10-minute scene, especially with him. But comedy, back to that. It tries to be, like you mentioned, really funny, and it's using very modern comedy terms. So, like, it's using, like, these cheap kind of, like, almost product placement-y kind of style of comedy. I remember one time Tiffany Haddish, was just playing the psychic. is sitting there with the entire family, and they're like, we're going to have the seance, and we're going to try to bring, you know, we're going to try to talk to what's in this house and see if they'll leave kind of thing. And they sit down, and she's like, right on this notebook. That I bought 30 minutes ago from CVS. And it's comedy like that. And it doesn't really land. Like they kind of threw in the, it was this extra mile. Like I'm going to Costco kind of thing. And that's, I mean, like a couple of them was like kind of like, you know, you'd smile at, but a lot of them, it didn't land. And it wasn't only the comedy, but it actually um, expanded to just even the characters. Like we have this character that's dealing with loss and. You know, losing a mom in this film, it definitely didn't show and there wasn't really a lot of emotion to it. I was like, I don't really care about these characters enough because they didn't really have any development. So we have a two hour film here with. No capability to develop a character past general kind of just like, hey, here's our character. here's what their backstory is kind of thing. I didn't feel for them. There was a love story kind of going on. I didn't feel for the love story. I wasn't excited. They were together at the end. Um the comedy was trying to be funny. I didn't really laugh that much. So everything it, it had everything. They were thrown out the screen, and really none of it stuck. Like there were moments where like, oh okay, that's kind of cool. oh i I, I kind of, I kind of feel for that.
2: It was like a checklist. They they had a checklist and they had like hours and they had or minutes separated down a list and they were like, Okay, minute ten, we have to have a joke. <laughs> minute fifteen, we have to have a scary image. Minute twenty, we and it was like they continued that on throughout the entire movie. And it was it just everything felt forced. Everything felt just very product placement, very I don't know, like it was it was supposed to be there without the storyline. It was like you're watching something knowing you're watching something when it's not a movie's not supposed to be like that it's like, you're not supposed to feel like you're just sitting there watching something when you're watching a movie you're supposed to feel captivated by the story to where you feel like you're in the story and that was never ever once that feeling that i got while watching the haunted mansion
0: yeah it was a bit still i think that's a really good term to describe it as well it just did not have that it didn't have anything going for it and at the hour and a half point i was just like you know it should be ending about now. And they had an entire they had they were still planning this big escape. They were still, you know, trying to fight the ghost. And I'm like, man, how long is this gonna last? Way too long. Especially for a kid's movie if they were trying to do that. Now I will say, um, fans of Disney, um, any Florida listeners or anybody who loves going to Disney, I heard it was very, very close to the Florida attraction, um, haunted mansion. Which I I think that's kind of cool. Um, and I, I mean, me being familiar with Haunted Mansion, I know that it did seem like it had pretty much every little piece that was supposed to be there more than the 2004 movie with Eddie Murphy, which was probably just as bad to me.
2: But I think I, I like it more.
0: No way. See, I didn't like. I didn't like. I can't say I like either of them. Um, I would put them about the same level. I think I get,
2: Well, true. Yeah. Like I don't really care for either of them, but if I had to pick which one was a better movie. I would probably go with the one with Eddie Murphy I think the new one has really good special like visual effects and special effects in it like those are really really well done but that's all it has going for it. the the, the Eddie Murphy movie, movie is more captivating with characters I think you like the characters a little bit better, but the visual effects department and stuff just isn't as good as what the new one is, but both of them still just aren't that good of a film.
0: Yeah, I have to agree a hundred percent on that. Um, I think I gave it a five out of ten, and that's where I think it would stand.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I I gave it a five as well. Yeah, just I I could recommend it for people to view with their kids as kind of like a gateway horror, if that. Uh, but I also didn't really care for it that much either, so it's kind of like in the mid range. Like it's not not awful, but it's not good either.
0: I think it would be more fun to watch during October. I kind of am scratching my head why they released it in July, whenever it seems very much like a Halloween style. So I think that, honestly, they may have been releasing it in July to hold it for Disney Plus in October. So I honestly would be shocked if it wasn't on Disney Plus by Halloween. So anybody yeah. who wants to watch it, but doesn't want to like, you know, commit to buying it or renting it or something, I would just wait until around Halloween time and it'll probably be able to see it for free on Disney Plus. And that's the only way I'd recommend watching it for sure. If you haven't yeah. seen it, Mike.
1: No, no, I have not seen. It. I saw the, the original and what I can remember the original, I, I introduced, no, I, yeah, I introduced Remy. To or that route, along with some of the goosebump movies, but um, it, it wasn't bad. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch it. And if it comes out on like you know Disney Plus, I'll definitely watch it. It's Probably not a movie I'll go and pay at the theater to for it.
0: I think Remy might like it. Um, I think it's definitely geared the age you know demographic. Um, but definitely, I would not go out of your way to try to see it.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure
0: what else do you guys watch i know we're trying to we're trying to cover a large fan here
2: well i watch um, uh i watched a movie on tubi and it was called the lost campfire tale or, yeah the lost campfire tales and guys if you get a chance to check this out fucking don't <laughs> it is it is absolutely <laughs> awful
1: oh it um, must have been about a24 Oh shit! (laughs) Get the hell out!
2: Wait, Uh, the the Lost Campfire Tales. The The Lost Campfire Tales. So
0: I've had (laughs) enough to hear about A24. You know what? Let's just not talk about. We're talking about A24
2: right now. So when it comes to like these really really low budget movies, we're talking about friends getting together at their in their backyard or at their you know family's house or whatever and making a movie there's certain things that i really really like about those and there's also certain things that people can do that make me just fucking hate those type of movies this one does both so it's very very like kids getting a camera from walmart and making their movie right making their own thing some of it was taken very seriously and some of it was taken very very like they don't care like they're making a movie at all they're just there goofing around joking around and there's even moments of the movie where it's supposed to be a flashback and on the sides of the on the sides of the video it's like the camera like like you're watching a 35 millimeter print roll through a camera lens where the like you keep seeing the camera like lens uh, or the the film strip play through the, the the actual projector And it's on both sides of the video. And it's like very distracting. It's very hard to watch the movie with these things keep scrolling down each side of the the video. Um, And then the movie itself, like in certain scenes, like these flashbacks, these characters are not taking anything seriously. Like these people, like guys dressed up in wigs to pretend to be girls, like pretending to be like the actual like female characters. Um, And then we get to like the actual, seriously serious parts of the story. And you have like an actual serious, like almost like it's just basically a Friday the 13th ripoff where it's a guy in a hockey mask who kills people. And he's killing these little kids and these kids, these teens at this at this family house. Some of that is taken really serious and some of it is taken really, really jokey and like they don't care about anything. And that's where like the blend of it is where I like the aspect of these people making this very, very low budget movie about a killer trying to kill these people at this house. And then I hate the part of it where they're not taking anything serious. They're goofing around, people wearing wigs when you can clearly tell them that it's wigs. And I don't know. I ended up giving this movie a two uh, simply because <laughs> of the the, the the joking part. Just because I, That's one thing I can't stand is when somebody gets the the chance to make a movie, and with that chance, they completely just don't care about nothing at all. And that really bothers me. But I think, Tyler, you're pulling this up here. Are you going to watch the trailer, too?
0: No, dude, is this the the movie we're talking about? (laughs) Is this the right one?
2: Yeah, that's it. Look at the poster,
0: though. How could you not? Look at that. Oh, look. Is this what it is right here? Yes. This is what the whole thing is like? Oh,
1: Jesus. I thought this was like
2: a – I thought this was the movie.
0: Yeah, this is the movie, right?
2: Yes. Yeah, that's part of the movie, yes. But there's like
0: the the main –
2: the main story is a backstory about the killer. You didn't watch and the whole thing, did you? I did what? You didn't watch the whole thing, did you? I watched all 53
1: minutes of it.
0: Chris, what the hell oh are you doing? Oh my
1: thinking? god.
0: <laughs>
1: look, at, look, I'm at this. Look, this. look at this. I'm poster already poster. wanting you to turn it off. It's like,
0: I'm literally, I've never seen anything like this in my entire life. Now, Chris has shown me some really, I mean, sometimes I'm surprised whenever Chris comes to me with a movie and I put it on, he's like, well, it's just really, really low budget. It it takes it to a new level of low budget. Like, I'm not, I'm Oh yeah. but
2: this, I I, know. And and you have to, you have to admit that whenever I say that a movie is, when I give a movie like a rating of one, two, or three. You know that I'm basing it off of whether or not I can stand to ever watch that movie ever again. So if I give a movie a one, it's something I would never ever watch again. It's something I'll never recommend anybody to ever see. If I give it a two or higher, then you like, you know that it's at least got some type of redemption quality about it, whether it be like one line from the movie. So if I'm, if you're saying a movie's bad and I'm like, you haven't seen some of the stuff I've seen, this is what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have to admit, every time I think that I've, Chris has sent me the worst movie ever made, somehow, every single time I see another one, it's like, it gets, it can pop. he's like, I've seen, I'm like, I give this a one, and he's like, I gave it a three, I'm like, how? It's literally the worst film ever made, and then Chris looks <laughs> at me and says, I've seen way worse films than that.
1: How? I believe it now.
0: And then, it's yeah, true. now we watch this, and somehow it continues to get worse, and Chris if you don't recall back whenever, like maybe like 10 seconds ago, Chris gave this a two. And I'm looking yep. at this and saying, is it even a one? Could it be a one?
1: So he's trying rated. to say,
0: oh, I've seen much worse films than this. There's no way.
1: This is, this looks awful.
2: But <laughs> listen to this. At least for a majority of this movie, they tried. <laughs> they tried to make something. <laughs>
1: okay they they Um, tried when they woke up this is i have
2: seen movies where they have not given a literal fuck about what gets captured on film at all i've seen literal bloopers in the movie i've seen people mess up lines and repeat the same line over again in the take of the movie chris they have a schedule take that out they have Um, two days to make this film they did what they could with this movie and I give it a two because I've seen a lot worse. But one I, one. I don't God. recommend on watching it.
1: Get out of here, Lux. I can't trust you
0: anymore. Me and Mike's taking this over now.
2: This is, this, this <laughs> is
1: awful. Well, I'm just, that's one movie I want to watch. Well,
2: our next our next episode, this movie's in it. So. <laughs> no. Dude. I, honestly,
0: we've watched maybe like what ten fifteen seconds, and I've already seen enough. I already know everything it's about.
1: I just I just looked at the poster <laughs> and I'm done. Yeah, the
0: poster I wanna I do wanna say before we move on, the poster looks like they took the Friday the thirteenth hockey mask from like a weird like blindly made clip art. Party Party they, City. Like. Yeah, and they like stretched <laughs> it out like vertically to make it like fit, but it didn't fit, and they were like, you know, we don't have time, just put it out there. And that was <laughs> that was the poster.
1: Submit it. <laughs>
2: there's a There's a scene in the movie, and I, I don't know if this was the part that they were that that they were trying to take serious or if they were joking around, but there's a scene where the killer is trying to find this kid and he's hiding in a truck, and the killer opens the door, and the kid gets out of the other side of the truck and runs around like in a circle, almost like you know like if you're trying to play tag with somebody. And you like run behind a counter and you're like at this like stowaway where you're like, you can't get me because I'm on this side. But if you start to move, they move. So you keep going back and forth around the same table. It's like that. They kept going around the truck like four or five different times because they couldn't he couldn't get away from him. Like,
0: <laughs> I'm surprised they can hold uh-huh. the truck in the budget. I thought they had to do a cardboard cutout. <laughs> but um, <laughs>
2: hey, you remember Sock Monster, don't you?
0: That was, I mean, genius, though.
2: <laughs> sorry tyler <laughs> Cabin. it was a great movie
0: yeah obviously like i mean like that was oscar nominated short film <laughs> <laughs> let me get up here because i think that i i know i mike what else have you seen because i don't know how far to go back because i think i might talk about a movie but i want to bring up let you um have another one first if you want well,
1: i watched uh cobweb
0: Oh, dude, dude, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm glad that you're mentioning this. I want to hear. What'd you think?
1: So, so cobweb, um, 75% of the movie I really enjoyed. Uh, uh the last 25%, <laughs> the revealing of the, of the, of the demon or the monster in the movie was a huge letdown. Um, I really enjoyed the storyline. I thought the, I thought it started out very well. Um, it has some pretty big actors in it. Uh, let me I'm pulling it up right now.
0: It's a kid that um, hears something like his bedroom wall, right? Or
1: like that. Yeah, so let me pull this up.
2: When I think of the movie Cobweb, like I haven't seen it yet, but when I just hear the title and I saw like the poster art, I kept thinking it was going to be like a giant spider movie.
1: <laughs> no, it, so, so it, it that. has – it has a twist in it, it it's really mm-hmm. like one of these movies that you think like god i, I don't want to give it away because a lot of people haven't seen this so i really won't go too far into it but there is a twist in the middle towards the end that that kind of throws you off and you kind of understand why these individuals did what they did and then to keep their son i guess safe in a way but their parents were really fucked up anyways they were like really messed up people Do you, have you seen it tyler
0: i haven't seen it yet no i want to oh
1: okay okay oh okay okay
0: did you rent so it
1: basically, no um Um. yes i, I rented it on uh prom uh so yeah. it's a story about between like an eight-year-old boy and he hears a knocking at night on his bedroom wall and um Basically it unveiled, it, it, it's, it's a real dark, sinister secret that the parents are keeping from their son. Yeah. And the son, and the parents keep blowing the, the son off. Like there's, you don't hear anything. It's your imagination. Keep quiet. Well, every night at like three in the morning, there's a knock sound. There's a knock sound. So eventually he gets enough courage to goes to the wall and says, who is this or what's going on? And you hear a voice and it's a voice of a female. And, um, they kind of create a, a bond of trust in a way. And then this voice puts the, the thought process into the little boy, like the parents are evil. And, um, the little boy then kind of like investigates to himself or on himself of like, why is this girl living in our wall? Like, what's going on? Um, the parents are really weird and like it, i think the movie focus on the parents of being very odd to throw a twist towards the middle of the end that you kind of expect but then kind of don't it kind of throws you off but it's very well shot and I, i'm i'm awful with describing it without giving things away so i'll kind of stop it there but um it was a disturbing movie it was shot very well it's a very dark and dreary movie um and like I said, when I say it's seventy five percent, really uh, like 75 percent of the movies that's done very well, it's the revealing of the monster in the movie, that it's almost kind of like a CGI face, but like, um, God, what's the best description? All right, best description: Halloween H two O, the CGI Michael Myers mask, for mm-hmm. example. You know, it's it, the body is a human, but the face is like CGI. You know, it, it, it just throws everything off um that's what really ruined the movie for me on that part but still even with that in it it was still done very well um I think everybody should see this I think it's a very good hit I think it's a very good movie um it has the guy uh the actor from the uh the boys uh what's his name uh Anthony Starr <laughs> he plays the father does very well um I'm a huge fan of him anyways but uh, the little the little boy in the movie plays a very well a very good part. But um, overall, it's really new and it's really fresh. So I'm not going to go too far into it without giving away secrets. Um, but definitely go see it because I gave this movie a seven out of ten.
0: Oh wow, yeah, I you know what it reminds me of kind of um, in terms of the vibe. It reminds me of a movie called Possum. I think it was like from 2018. It became super popular on TikTok, but it did have a, like, like a creature they use a weird amount of like CGI and stuff too. Um, yeah. I haven't seen cobwebs. So I can't necessarily make that comparison, but it does seem like one of those like viral kind of like tick kind of, you know, anime it's really good.
1: Movie. It's really good. Like there's some, there's some scenes in it. Like, God, there's a scene where he wakes up and he's having a nightmare and his bedroom is open. And it's really dark. And he looks down, his, down at the hallway and he sees his mother staring like with glowing eyes. And like she chases charges him, charges at him through his on his bed. Then he wakes up real quick. But it's a terrifying scene that even I jump because I watched this by myself downstairs, all the lights out, and I was like looking over my shoulder on this part. But this movie is a it movie. The movie reminds me of. Has anybody ever seen Case Forty Nine? Yeah. Where okay, so that's with the little girl that um, is supposedly locked in their door, and I'm and I'm. Am I getting that right? Yeah. Case 49. Okay. So it gives off the case 49 vibes in a way. Mm -hmm. So you think one thing, but it's a twist and there's something completely opposite in this movie, which I really enjoyed. Um, so Cobweb does that very well. It holds your attention and your focus towards the parents. Like I said, 75% of the movie, and then there's a big twist at the end. So, um, definitely worth it. I, I enjoyed this and, it's one of the better movies that I've watched horror wise uh, this year, so it, I, I I kind of put it into my top top five six of this year so far.
0: That's amazing. Um, yeah, really I good. I really want to see it for sure. Um, why well, I have a couple more, but I'm gonna save them for our next recording because I have an endless supply of movies to talk about so we could be here all night talking about movies but <laughs> we got a show to do so i guess we'll take a break do you have any more chris you wanted to talk about first
1: no I'm, I'm good
0: all right sweet we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with our horror with only one sequel
1: everyone thinks because you're a zombie you don't know good coffee well they're wrong there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure the aroma is so intoxicating, It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting.
0: Welcome back, guys. We are here to, for our main show. We're ready to talk about horror with only one sequel. Um, so it actually got this idea personally, whenever I heard Eli Roth talk about how he only made, he would never make a third of a film. He'd only make a sequel because he felt like the third film felt convoluted to become a full franchise so I think um it's really interesting to kind of look back at horror and say, you know, what films have only been have you know, two of them, not three, four, five, six, not to the point where they get so convoluted, but just that one sequel to kind of top off the series. So what we've done here is selected three films. We're going to talk about them. And Chris is up first here. What you got for us?
2: So my choice was a very classic Stephen King movie. It is Pet Cemetery from 1989. I'm going to read the back of the the Blu-ray here for the description. It says, After moving to an idyllic home in the countryside, life seems perfect for the Creed family, but not for long. Lewis and Rachel Creed and their two young children settle into a house that sits next door to a pet cemetery built on an ancient Indian burial ground. Their mysterious new neighbor, Judd Crandall, hides the cemetery's darkest secret until a family tragedy brings the secret to life. Now an unthinkable an unthinkable evil is about to be resurrected. So I have watched this movie so many times growing up as a kid. I watched it as a kid, as a teen, as an adult. And this movie to me gets better every single time that I watch this movie. And I was telling Mike about this because I talked a little bit about it after I watched it. This time around watching it, I watched it on my phone with my headphones in, sitting very close to my phone at night with the lights turned out. And I felt more immersed into this story and the characters than I ever have been before. And I don't know if it was because I had my headphones in and I was like so close to it watching it, or if it's just watching it newly for the first time in about probably eight years or so. But I really love the story. Uh, I think it is very, very depressing. It's a really, really dark film from the opening of the movie you have this very very kind of ominous music playing with children talking about their pets names um with their with the headstones of all the dead animals and everything so like right off the bat you're starting off with death and just the movie just continues with the theme of death throughout the entire movie and it's one of those things where like If you're watching it, don't look at it to be like a very happy story because it's one of the saddest, darkest stories you can think of. And with it, you have Judd Crandall takes his two kids or well, yeah, two kids and his wife to move into the new house. They find the cemetery that or the the road that leads to the cemetery, uh, where Judd Crandall takes them and they discover uh, why there's a cemetery back there because the road that has the giant uh, 18-wheeler trucks going up and down it all the time, and they end up killing a lot of animals. So they always bury them down the street in the pet cemetery. I was also telling Mike about this, that I think Judd Crandall is the villain of this story. He knows about the pet cemetery. He knows what lies beyond the pet cemetery, in which he then shows Judd Crandall or sorry, uh, which Judd Crandall shows um, the, the Creed family what lies beyond the Pet Cemetery. And he even tells them everything that happens except the main stuff, the things like the horrible aspects of what happens when you bury something in the Pet Cemetery. And so just by showing the Creed family this uh, this land, the evil's already starting to work its magic. So the little girl in the movie, her name is Ellie Creed. Her cat dies. He gets hit by one of the trucks. So Judge shows him, says, hey, your cat's dead. You don't want to go down that road. And <laughs> he, <laughs> he takes him to the pet cemetery and says, we're not going to bury it in the pet cemetery. We're going to bury it beyond the pet cemetery. Uh, Dr. Creed doesn't understand why we're doing it, but goes along with it anyways. I guess out of curiosity, cat comes back. Doesn't come back to normal as it usually is. It comes back kind of an evil cat, but it takes a little while to get there. It's not like immediately goes on a killing spree. It it actually kind of takes a little bit of time for it to be evil. And I'll tell you one thing, Tyler, that fucking cat is the scariest cat in the history of horror films or history of film in general. I don't know what it is about that cat, but it freaking terrifies me. Just (laughs) go like it's, it's real. They use a real cat. They, you know, put the makeup on it to make it look like it's been dead before um they had it's got these glowing eyes and i don't know if it's just the actual reflection of the cat itself where they put contact lenses in it but those eyes like reflect like this bright yellow anytime the camera is on it after the cat has died and it's really really creepy and ominous and then also the cat is hissing and everything it's got that you know black cat It's it looks like a it's a grayish cat but it kind of looks like that like a halloween-esque type cat it's a very creepy animal anyways um but anyways, the the cat comes back, so you know what Judd's thinking has any or what Doctor Creed's thinking. Has anybody ever buried a a person up there? Judd Crandall explains that no, nobody's ever buried a, a person up there. Who would have ever think about doing that? Why would you? Mention- and uh, yeah, why would anybody ever uh-huh. think about that? That's stupid. And uh, so because of bringing the cat back, it's gotta take something in return. So later in the story, you see that the, the Creed's family little boy, which is what, two, maybe three years old, if that, probably two, and, uh, wanders off into the middle of the road and you, you think you know what's gonna happen. If you haven't seen it before, you, it's, you think you know what's gonna happen, but you don't want it to happen at the same time. And then it does happen and I will say this watching it as an adult uh first off I have a daughter named Ellie so it's really weird that the main character in this one is also named Ellie uh we also have a gray cat which is kind of strange as well (laughs) um uh, Um, but uh you you find out that the kid gets gets hit by the semi truck and it is extremely sad like just even watching it now um it's very emotional because the kid a really cute little kid he's very very cute um he's very loving you see that the family has a lot of love for him and everything and then it cuts to a flashback of you know him being held as a baby and you hear the dad screaming no over top of the entire like montage of flashback of like the pictures of the kid and everything this is a very sad moment um but we get all this we know what's going to happen we know he's going to bury the kid in the pet cemetery so from there the kid comes back as usual and it just leads from one bad thing to the other with the the evil kid killing the, the family and one by one doing its its thing but the reason i think that judd is the evil like the he's the villain is because he like i said he knows everything about it he's been there there's a flashback where he tells dr creed I've been there. I've done this is what happened. Somebody did bury a person up there and this is how they came back and we had to take care of the situation. So knowing all this information and still going over there and giving him the information, telling him what can be ha- what can happen and just by knowing the fact that the cat came back allows you know that if something bad is going to happen that they're going to turn around and you know his son died so obviously he's going to he's going to put his son there you already gave him the ability to do it once why would you not let him do it for for that you know so i'm rambling on i know i apologize I, i have a horrible time explaining movies that i like for some reason um but the movie itself is it's very very dark it's very sad and it's just dreary the entire time a lot of people think that the acting in the movie is very stale but i don't i think it is spot on with the acting because everybody says that uh, the main character dr Cree, played by del midkiff like he shows no emotion like they're like oh it's a bad acting he's not showing any type of emotion anywhere i beg to differ because a he's a doctor he sees death all the time people die on him on a daily basis if that was the if that's the case, you're not going to show normal emotions during a normal situations because that's over your over you on a daily thing. Like you can't be going from someone just dying on you to go have a family picnic and be all happy giddy about it. It's not going to happen, you know. Um So I think like his portrayal of the doctor who is always seeing death and just the way he acts, I think it's spot on and I think it's very normal uh, of, of acting. Um, the one thing that I do like that most people remember from the movie is uh, Judd Crandall is uh, played by Fred Gwynn, who most people would know as Herman Munster. And he plays an amazing role. And as I was saying, uh, you don't want to go down that road. Uh He says that about 18 times in the opening scene of the movie. <laughs> like literally the first dialogue that he says is, uh, watch that road? If you don't want to go down that road, stay on the road. It's like, it's like over <laughs> and over for the first like 18 lines that he says, uh, which is really funny. but. All in all, I I think this movie is really, really good, really creepy, and a, a very classic Stephen King movie. And I've read the book. The book is a little bit different. It's a lot, I don't know if you've if you guys have read the book or not, but there's a lot more to it in the book. There's the scene in the movie where uh Dr. Creed goes to dig up his son and to take him to the pet cemetery. And in the book, is really gory it talks about how like the maggots are like pouring off the dead kid's body as he's like picking him up from the grave and everything and that's none of that's shown in the movie it's very how do i put this it's very pg-esque of how it's displayed in the in the film as opposed to the book is a very adult like mature version of that story it's very very gory um this this would be one that i would recommend to kids like to watch as a kid Um maybe around like 10 or 11 years old it's it's there's no nudity in it there's hardly any language in it it's all based on atmosphere which has really good atmosphere it feels like a dream um and it's it's got some really horrifying images in it especially with you know the, the dead kid the zelda scene People say that that scene with Zelda um, is one of the scariest like moments in horror movie history. Um, I was never affected by the Zelda scene. I was always more terrified of the cat than anything. But um, what do you guys think about the movie before I move on?
0: um, Don't fuck with Native American burial grounds. That's always <laughs> think, uh, the first thing you should not do in a horror movie. But no, I think it's great. I think that you have a really interesting opinion about Judd. Um, I I loved his character. I think he he's great. He's the way he does talk is a little bit comical too, which always isn't.
2: yeah. But, but that's his normal voice though. That's how he actually yeah. speaks.
0: Yeah, for hey. sure. And I mean, the, the, the me, I mean, he, he's perfect for that role for that reason because he kind of has that, you know, the accent really works well for his character as well. Yeah. So that's great. Um, I think that I don't know if I could call him the villain though. Um. I think that I, I know where you're coming from with it, but at the end, if you think about it, when he goes into the house and um the little boys, I mean, obviously he knew what's going to happen. You've already said that.
1: Yeah.
0: And he gets to the point where he's at the very, very end and he walks into the house and then he's almost lured by the little boy. And obviously he's like that, that scene there with the Achilles tendon where he like slits it. Oh man. Around like what he like rips his like mouth open and like eats through his like, apple, it's crazy but yeah, yeah um that it's a very intense scene and i think that he only wanted in a way i feel like he only wanted the best um i don't think he wanted to see you know obviously he was so affected um the dad was by the fact that the knowing that she, he's gonna have to tell the little girl that the cat died and i think that he in the moment may have thought you know if I could just somehow bring this cat back, I don't have to explain to my wife, the kid, because we have this whole holiday coming up. I don't want to you know hurt them or anything. And he's like, well, I know a place. Then he brings him there, and then the burial takes place, and then obviously church comes back, and he's not the same. But then later on, he explains to him, do not bury a body there because this has happened before, and... You know, back, you know, they, they ended up having to, like, set the house on fire with the, the boys still in it. And he came back. He was acting different. You know, everything was completely going wrong. Um, So, definitely, do not bury a body there. And he warned him that. And he still proceeded, obviously. You're not thinking about burying a body there, are you? You're
2: not thinking about doing it, are you? And he ended up doing it. Yeah. That's... Well, the thing is, is, like... um he, okay, so he had this happen to him several times. He, it shows that he that Judd buried his dog a long time ago, mm-hmm. and the dog came back evil, and he had to put the dog down. Right. And then when he was an adult, the same thing happened when somebody else buried a, uh, their their kid out there and the kid came back and they had to deal with it again mm-hmm. um so but it's been a long time that you would think that he's been there since the time that he was like an early kid like you know not kid but like early 20s you know it's what how old he looks at that time period early 20s in the flashback um to whenever he's living there now when he looks like he's probably what like in his late 60s early 70s maybe and yeah. whenever they go to bury the cat it's nothing but just like falling down trees and everything. And Lewis even says, I don't think we should go past the pet cemetery. We don't know how to get up there and we could fall and break our neck. And Judge says, no, just follow me. I know exactly where to step. I've been here and I've done this a thousand times. Exactly. So he's gone there. He knew it's almost like he goes there over and over again, just waiting for somebody to have this situation happen so that he can take them up there it's like he's the reason why that that's all happening
0: that is true i never thought of it that way before and now you're mentioning it it does it does kind of make sense but then at the same time he's like very i mean obviously he can be deceptive and and all that but you know with gage he just he just seemed like he really truly had that connection with family but then he did warn them but it was after the fact so i don't know if we could call that you know, he was the antagonist. Um maybe it just came across that way. Maybe it wasn't meant to be that way, but it that's just how it translates to the screen. But yeah, that's that's definitely an interesting um viewpoint on it. I and you know, people are scared to death of Zelda. Um they're always talking about, you know, Zelda, what what was what's the scariest thing about Pet Cemetery? And I have to agree with you, Chris. Um, not even the cat. Um I think it was actually the what's what's his name? Is it t- um Pat t- no, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, the jogger is that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah Pascal. Yes, 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 The jogger, which actually becomes like a really prominent role in the story, kind of. um,
2: He's the fun. hero. He's the one that tries to save everybody and stop everything from happening.
0: Yeah, and then just to see that yeah. image of like his like head getting gashed and seeing the ghost come back, that very first couple like interactions, it's it's pretty spooky. Like it's it gets it's pretty scary. Like I mean, he he warns like, that the grounds are sour before he like disappears. And that's a pretty terrifying scene. That's kind of what makes this more supernatural. Like that's like a blatant supernatural element to this, because yeah. if you look at Pet Cemetery, it doesn't have a lot of like in your face horror moments. And I think that you're right. Yeah. You know, it's made kind of for like the not necessarily young kids, but it definitely could be kind of like the next step from gateway horror. And it's just because there are a couple of disturbing scenes. There are a couple of moments of horror but if you look at it, this is really kind of a family drama. It's about loss. It's kind of a theme we've talked about all night long. Um, a lot of the horror movies are bringing up has to do with this. But, you know, dealing with the loss of a child, which I mean, I've never lost a child before, but I can imagine how horrible that would be. Um, you know, dealing with, you know, losing a, a family pet, not knowing what to tell your kid. It's just like a very tragic, very hard to deal with kind of thing. And... I think that's kind of like the heart of the story. It's the driving force behind it. It's, you know, it's, it's what really keep it's, it's more than just horror. It's just really just about a family. And that's why I really love about this. And I think that's kind of like why it stands so long, you know, like how it, this has become a very prominent horror movie over the years and people still talk about it today. And I mean, it might, you know, it very well could be because it's Stephen King and everybody kind of has that King association, but just as a film, I mean, it does have so much heart to it. And I know King's work does have a lot of heart anyway in his writings. But I think that's kind of like the alluring thing about this. That's why you'd want to come back and see it over and over again. So, yeah, solid. I mean, what do you think about it, Mike?
1: This is, yeah, like just for horror in general, um, this hits a lot of levels. Especially, I've watched this movie for years. i watched it as a teen, early 20s, and now late 30s. And I think it hits me in different phases. So, like, when I first watched it, I was, like, I was terrified because of of just bringing back, you know, the dead, basically. But I can see it being my age now because, you know, God forbid, there was a situation in my life where I almost lost my son. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what I would have done if I did. So, like, me as a father... In the view of the eyes of of uh, what was his name, uh, Doctor Lewis was a Creed. Doctor Lewis Creed. Lewis Creed. Yeah. 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 So um, I could see a father wanting to bring back their child, no matter what the outcome would be, to see them again, to 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 hug them again, even if that was not the normal your normal child. Um, so it's it's a movie of like sadness, it's depression, it's heartbreaking. It's it's terror, but it's more of a kind of like what you said, Tyler, it's more of a drama. And um to me, this is one of the best top this is top-tier horror movie in my eyes. I I, I fully enjoy this movie. Um I I can agree with Lax. I never really looked at this movie in a way of thinking Judd was the bad person. Um, but he was always kind of steering them in like, don't do this, but this is this is where you can go to bring people back to life i mean like he honest to god he should have probably just never mentioned it to him didn't know him didn't shouldn't have even have mentioned it but he it'd, did. Be, it'd be like
2: so, it'd be like somebody saying hey don't do drugs but here's the phone number to somebody who sells drugs in case you ever need it Like, yeah, yeah exactly he, <laughs> it's the
0: first he, thing he says to him he's like i know a place
2: i'm like okay
0: yeah. nice
1: to meet you <laughs> yeah, yeah and like right 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 when he first met him and then again, I kind of got a knock on Doctor Lewis Creed because, man, like he he started it all really with with the cat. You know, he he kind of went spiral down with the cat. And then like, who the hell doesn't pay attention to their child when you have an interstate or a main road right there? He turns his back, kid runs away, and like my thing is, I guess me as an overprotective father, if I knew there's a main highway there. I'm not letting my son or my daughter out of my sight. Honestly, probably, I, I know when I go to a grocery store, my son or my daughter has to be in front of me, you know, so they're not behind me. Somebody can't run up. I, I just thought the father in this movie was shitty. Not a good father at all, really, on the aspect of caring for their, their his child. Irresponsibility of, like, you know, of the small things around the house. Now, I know he had a, a prominent job. I mean, he was a doctor.
0: His priorities but, um, were missing. Like like Exactly. And, and he was focused. He was
1: so focused on his job and not his family. Mm-hmm. Um. So there's that. And then you know, um, and then Judd. Judd, like, I liked his character. I liked, you know, but when Lax kind of told me about, like, think about him as being the bad guy, I never really thought of that. And now when I watched it this last time, I can't really unsee that. He is yeah, kind and, of like yeah the bad guy. And we
2: listen to this too. Like he's like let me throw yeah. let me throw this at you guys. When Judd okay whenever the cat dies, we like never see it. we never see the cat get hit. The yeah. only thing we see is the cat on the ground, which doesn't look like it was hit by a car. It just it's just dead. You know it does have a broken neck. That's about it, right? Judd Judd Jud is it. the one that found it. Judd's the one that called Lewis Creed. Do you think Judd killed the cat on purpose so that he would take him to the pet, to the pet cemetery? He would have a reason Man. to take him there.
1: But what? here's the thing: like, so it kind of backfired on him, though. You know what I mean? Kind of like so, we're Gage kind of ultimately ended Judd's life. Wonder if what like did, did it? Given the story, I don't even remember. God, uh, this shows. So, like they brought back a child earlier in his life, right? How old was yeah. Judd
2: then? Like, he was, he was probably in, like, at least he looks like he's in his, like, 20s. Like okay,
1: here, oh, here's here's a way he of thinking of it. Like could have could, been, been his kid? No. No, no I mean, okay. They, they talk about it. It was,
2: like, the neighbor's, like, kid who went off to war gotcha. and died at war. Gotcha, 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 yeah. gotcha, gotcha,
1: gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Now, because, I mean, what, what might have, like, I guess what I was kind of getting around, possibly what could have possibly pushed him over the edge of to be evil, you know what I mean? he lose someone, they lost, did did, what created this monster, you know?
0: Yeah,
1: 100%. There, yeah. but I mean, I love the movie, don't I mean, I'm not passionate about all means. Um, no, 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 Cemetery, not at all. Did, yeah,
2: did you guys know that the uh, I mean, this is uh, I don't know if it's common knowledge, but the, the Zelda scene, the person that plays Zelda is actually a is guy, a dude,
1: yeah, a dude. yeah.
0: Oh yeah, you can you can kind of see those details in the in the movie as well.
2: Rachel, <laughs> Rachel, I'm coming, Rachel.
0: Well, I mean, talking about Rachel too, that last scene. Um, I know we talked about you know loss and throughout the movie, you see the you know obviously um what's his name, the, kid, the little boy um Gage. Gage,
2: Gage, Gage. Yeah. Like, oh, I forgot ago. to tell you this. I will not mean to interrupt you, but like I said, we have we have a gray cat, right? I have a daughter named Ellie. I have a cousin named Gage.
1: Oh my god. You are pet yeah, cemetery. It's, it's strange. Do you live close to a cemetery? I do actually. You are
2: fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: But it, what I was trying to say about Rachel was at the very last scene, you can see that desperation, um, just to bring her back. And he like wants to have her back. And I, I have to admit that it was like a very surreal moment to watch like, you know, Rachel come in, him just being so happy. It doesn't matter. Like her fucking eye was like oozing out this like brown, like pus crap. <laughs> she was like bleeding. She's like. Aah. And like they like, make all kinds of like crazy noises, and he was just like Rachel. I'm just so happy, like you know that you're here with me. And he like grabs her and just starts like kissing her, and that's obviously whenever she pulls out the knife. But he didn't even care. He had nothing else. do yeah. At that point, he loses. Yeah. You know, all the family pets. He loses. I, th- I
1: think he. I think he wanted to die at that moment. You know what I mean? In a I way. Mean, maybe. Yeah.
0: I would have to say i mean i i couldn't imagine
2: leading up to that scene though um is actually one of my favorite moments from the entire film it's when okay so judd wakes up after he, after gage comes back and he kills rachel and he kills judd i don't know if you noticed this or not but uh lewis creed is asleep and he falls out of the bed and he slams his head in the freaking side table like next to like the nightstand i don't know if you notice that or not but that looked like it freaking hurt <laughs> I don't know if it was planned, like if that was made there, like he's supposed to do that. But he rolls out of bed and slams like his temple into the side of a table. Um, anyways, so he goes over, he finds out that that, that gauge has come back, and he goes and he sees that he took his knife from his uh, from his medicine bag. So he goes and gets the meat for the cat and he lays the cat outside the house or lays the meat outside the house and church comes and starts eating the meat. And Lewis gets down on his knees and he says – he screams at the top of his lungs. He's like, play dead, be dead. And then the cat like chokes on the meat and falls over and dies. That scene right there for some reason, just the way it plays out with him screaming at the cat, like such emotion and such hate for something to be dead and the fact that his son came back you know, evil – um, always stuck with me. It was one of my favorite moments from the movie, even watching it this go around as well. I loved that scene just the way it played out.
1: I really liked the part where you tripped over the dead rat in the bathroom. That's <laughs> 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 probably the
2: worst scene. That that
1: movie it was in the it was the worst scene. You just get out of the bath and your feet are wet and you step on a dead rat like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> disgusting. So what do you but uh Yeah, man.
0: So go ahead, Mike.
1: Oh, no, no. You yeah, I was I was about to say what do you guys rate it?
0: You I'll let Chris go first cuz I think I know this movie is very special to you.
1: I I really love
2: this movie. I love the story. Even even just the idea because like I said I read the book growing up. I read the book during, you know, during school. Um I watched the movie multiple times as a kid, multiple times as a teenager. I really just the story itself is what re- I really care about. I don't care if it's the movie version or the book version. I just really like that story, and um, it stuck with me throughout the years. And I always want to go back and revisit it. I always want there to be more movies and more stuff about it. Um, I give this movie a ten. Uh, I really love this this film.
0: No way. That's one of my yep. very few tens. Mm-hmm. I see. I love the movie. Um. I don't think it's on the same level that you love it, but I do. I mean, I I just, I think that everything about we've everything we've talked about, that's, I mean, it's, it's a great film for what it is. Um, I would probably give it an eight, eight out of 10.
2: A fair rating.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, um, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, like I said, watching it differently over the years and like different perspectives. Um, it's it's um it's like i can't say anything bad about it um i do i I got some like you know make a little bit of fun of it on some situations in the movie but overall like it's a top tier horror movie so for me at least um, i'm gonna be in between it's not a 10 for me um eight's definitely respectful um but i'm gonna give it a nine I, i really enjoyed this movie overall i loved it
0: so we have 18
2: 26
0: uh, 27 27 27 so it's, it's actually really that's one of our highest ratings that we've um we've given on the show i mean i think rightfully so i mean it's definitely up there it's with one of the best king adaptations
1: definitely
0: agree but another king adaptation well first of all i want to apologize to both of you um And the reason being is that I picked a three-hour film,
1: (laughs) the longest. It took me, took me eighty-four years to finish this one.
2: (laughs) It took me two. It took me two watches, like two different two different days to watch your film, Tyler. (laughs) Well, see,
0: it was I almost didn't choose it, and I just really wanted to talk about this because I think it is grossly underseen i think it's overlooked um and there's a lot to really talk about with this i mean there's just tons to unpack and i think the biggest thing is is it kind of fits into this weird gray area because it was technically released as a television series i mean
2: yeah miniseries miniseries
0: um but it was shot by toby hooper as a film and they just kind of split them right in the middle. They knew it was obviously going to be for CBS when it first came out, but they didn't necessarily know the logistics of it. if it was going to be a television film, if it was going to be a short, you know, kind of like um, miniseries. So it actually was taken apart two episodes, two one, one and a half hour long episodes, and they just put them together to make Salem's Lot as a film. So that's something kind of like interesting about it. Um, Again, it was made for television. So it does have that very slight, but I think you can barely even tell television quality to it. But um, we essentially have this writer. And if you listen to this kind of like storyline I'm telling here, it has very gothic undertones. And that's something that's very particular about King's writing and about this film in general. So think about the time. This is in the late 70s. Stephen King hasn't even become a major writer at this point. Um, They pick up the series as, you know, two episode kind of thing before he even truly famous. He had just made, they had just made Carrie like two years before De Palma did. And they turn around, they find, you know, have Toby Hooper, which recently just came off the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And they're like, you know, let's make, you know, a Salem's Law adaptation. And there's this writer named Stephen King and he's wrote this book and it was successful, let's do it so we have this very gothic overtone um, it takes place in Maine which is where Stephen King is from and literally it's just about a writer that goes back to this Maine town um, known as like Jerusalem's lot and <clears throat> wants to buy this old um, Mears house and it's supposedly you know kind of like to re, re- and that a spark in his head um, to kind of like get this book finished now the town itself kind of is very weary about him being there there's somebody who bought the house from underneath him and is now technically like living in it but it's been empty for decades so there's a very mysterious quality to it you have almost like you know we watched the movie the changeling this changes kind of versions of horror throughout So the first like hour, it's just kind of like, where are they going with this? What's going on? And then you learn of, um, Ben Spears and you know, he's obviously like an ancient vampire and he wants to turn this entire town of Salem's Lot, Maine into like an army of like vampires at at some point. But before that, it starts out kind of almost like a supernatural gothic kind of, you know, style ghost story almost. I don't know exactly what you call it. It has a lot of different elements to it so there's just so much to talk about with this what did you guys think because I, I i never really talked about this with anybody before you don't really hear anybody talk about it but there's just so much to it i mean it's constantly changing
1: um i i enjoyed it i did enjoy it i think i'm I, me personally i can't really give it a fair this is the first i've ever seen it to be honest with you so it's definitely an older movie obviously and I definitely respect Stephen King and I love how he, you know, he I, lo- I love how he, he, he makes his movies, you know, and I love like the the interest of like, you know, I was very interested in 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 even in the beginning of the movie, the first 60 minutes, not much happens in the movie, but I was still I was still interested and it still had my attention and I was like, you know, guy comes to town. You know, I like how the town people don't really trust him, don't know what's going on. Um, I like how he's trying to investigate the town and he's all about this house, you know, um, but there it, it it's, 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 I, there's not much that happens in that first, God, maybe hour and hour, hour and 20, 15 minutes, but I was so interested. Then I will tell you this. It did terrify me. And if I saw it when I was probably 10 or 8, the little boy floating throughout the, outside the window, you know, mm-hmm. is, is creepy as fuck. Scraping I'm just saying, scraping it. You know, and like, let me in, let me in, you know, because yeah. obviously it's a vampire and he has to be welcomed in, you know. So that was creepy. And for it to be, what was it, in the 70s? Was it late 70s?
0: This was, was late it, 70s. Was...
1: Okay, so late 70s. The vampires makeup and all i thought was phenomenal I, I will give you that um the main vampire in the in the movie um mm-hmm. i liked how his fangs yeah i loved how his fangs were in the middle i i dug it i liked it it was different um but it it, it, it was a little long but i can see like how it's kind of like resembles it it was like a two-part series you know probably 60 minutes hour and a half one night and the the other portion the other night hmm. or a week later on, on tv um i get it i I know how stephen king does his his shows sometimes but um a little long to, for me at least a little long a little slow hmm. but the second half so the last probably 45 minutes of the movie hour of the movie really enjoyed um The house, once they got inside the house, it was really creepy. You know, it was like falling apart. It, you know, not that I could smell the movie, but it was like when they walked in, it felt like I like, man, I I bet that place stinks. You know, like it just, it looks like it smells.
0: It was extremely um, atmospheric for that. Like it was,
1: yes. The lights. Yes.
0: I think this was made for television, and to know that a television movie can show this level of like showmanship and be able to be atmospheric and scary and weird and have the ghost story aspect and the writer aspect, it's abandoned kind of like Marsden House.
1: Exactly. I I loved it all, and I guess if I can only think of a couple words to say about it, like unsettling, creepy. Like, it was very unsettling. It was very creepy, but just a smidge of me wanted a little more now. Um, but I still overall really enjoyed the movie. Um, I thought it was done very well. And for me to watch a late 70s movie now, which I still respect older horror movies, which I do respect this movie, um, I thought the vampires were done extremely well. The kid floating out beside the window is, will, I'll always remember it. it it's creepy. You know story. it was one of those things yeah i mean it's it's terrifying to be honest with you but um yeah i mean i i, I enjoyed the movie i did what about you lax
2: i'm on the same verge as you mike i thought it was a little slow uh, as you guys said the first hour to hour and a half nothing really happened it was just uh a tv drama where you know somebody's trying to investigate a situation they're going from place to place talking to people figuring out what's going on and uh that part was it was like mike said it's still really interesting you like the characters it's very atmospheric you get that small town unsettled feeling about it and it keeps you wanting more uh but like i said it was a really slow movie and the one thing that bothered me the most about it being slow was a lot of the scenes Was basically the same scene like over and over and over again like even the scenes that were really entertaining like the scene with the vampire kid floating outside the window they did that like four separate times and it was very slow to each one of those scenes was about five or six minutes like it lasted five or six minutes in each one of those scenes it wasn't anything quick something quick happens it was every little thing that happened was very slow paced everything like somebody walking from the house to their car they showed them exiting the house getting to the car getting in their car and then driving away it was just very very slow but entertaining at the same aspect i think it's the story and the atmosphere that made it really interesting Uh there's one scene uh about the um, hour and 10 minute marker maybe maybe an hour marker where these two guys are who were like delivery drivers uh, they're, oh. they're, they uh, they're tasked with going and delivering this big box, this big wooden crate to this basement of this house. I love that And scene. while, while they're delivering it, they find out that the crate is cold and like they're holding it and they can't touch it. Cause it's so cold. They put it in the back of the moving van and it's slowly like moving forward to the, to the actual, like, um uh, you know, truck part of it where the window is Cabin and here. it's, Yes, the cabin part. It's very, very Because You don't know what's going to happen. You think something's going to pop out of the crate. You think they're going to get in there and open the crate. You don't know what's going to happen. And it's very interesting. And then when they get to the house they deliver it, you think something's going to happen there. You think that they're going to you know, try to get it off the truck and someone's going to attack them. They're getting into the basement. You think they're going to open it. And it's just one thing after another, even even though it's very long, that's like a 25 minute scene that happens throughout the movie it's split into multiple parts right and um and it's very well done and it leaves you wanting more and and like I said, it is a made for TV movie, so they had to leave something, so you see what's going to happen in night one and then night two is you find out what happened, so you're wanting to go back the next night to to watch more right and I think that was really well done, and Mike was talking about the house being very atmospheric and like he could smell. Like well, he thought he could smell like what the house smelled like in the inside of it. Exactly. Uh, I thought the same thing actually because when we you see the inside of the house, I even said to my wife, I said that place looks like it's very moldy. <laughs> like, yeah, you just yeah. Like it, it felt like a very moldy place. Um, so like the atmosphere and the set design was really good. Um, it just looked
1: damp, you know, wet.
2: <laughs> yeah, and the vampires looked really cool. Uh, I like the scene when one of the guys has to bury uh their friend and like they he's standing he's outside he's like he's standing over top the casket and i guess the vampire is like you know how in most movies the vampires can compel you to do stuff mm-hmm. i guess you don't even have to look at him in the eye to be compelled you just have to be near them uh because from the yeah. casket he like the kid yeah when they're burying the kid the kid gets uh is inside the casket and he makes the guy walk over and then jump into the ground and open the casket and get him you know get him freed and it was a really cool scene. I really like that. It was very well shot, very interesting. The you know the the vampire looks good. Um, even the, the part with the main vampire, who technically it's, it's Nosferatu, like that's what it is. It's a Nosferatu yeah, movie Nosferatu. or adaptation or whatever. Um, it's not a typical vampire. It's the the traditional Nosferatu tale, uh, just done in the Stephen King style with the the expansion of characters and the expansion of just story wise. Uh I really liked it. I thought it looked really good. I thought the the atmosphere was great. The tension was there. The effects were good. Um the whole build up around the end of the movie where the main character goes into the house to save his like love interest from the vampires and um if you remember there's a scene where they're all like inside the basement area like locked in this little cabinet door and they get out of the they get out of it they lock the door behind them but then there's the one vampire still there and they're trying to kill nosferatu and the little kid is like up against the the door and you see in the background like the other vampires crawling toward the door At what well, he has his back to him though so all you see is like over his shoulder while the main guy is trying to kill nosferatu and you don't know like whether or not they're going to get to the kid before he kills nosferatu you don't know what's going to happen i thought that was a very intense moment and very interesting to see and I really like that part of it. Um, only thing I didn't like is it went on a little longer than I thought because after the main story ends, then it still has like 15 minutes left of them like traveling around the world and they're like (laughs) trying to like run away from the, instead of like just being there and killing the vampire. They just run. They're like, okay, we, we killed Nosferatu. There's still more vampires. Let's just run and never look back and just try to avoid them from now on. Like It didn't make any sense of why they didn't just stop and try to kill the last remaining vampire and then let it be.
0: Yeah. Right. I mean, I think in Draker, as just like you mentioned, like the, like the Nosferatu style vampire, I think that it was such a great choice because he's very iconic in the movie like that image of him. but you only see him a couple times so like this entire movie is kind of just based on like that sole image of like yeah this is what draker looks like and you only see him a couple times like he doesn't come out until like what almost two hours in almost like you don't see the true image so i think it's just insane and also, I think that another thing, like you mentioned, um, you guys are talking about like the small town feel of it. Um, I think yeah. exactly what they were going for. I think that that's why the first hour of the film kind of seems like it goes on for a while is because they're really introducing you to each person because this isn't really a film about any particular person. It seems to me like it feels like one of those movies, almost Twin Peaks style to where it's not necessarily about the vampires or any kind of like a ghost story or any kind of like ghost writers or um a spooky old house or loss or anything like that. It's really about collaboratively everybody within the town, And it's felt that way very much because it seemed like obviously you have your main stars throughout, but then he just wanted to turn the whole, it, it, it was centered around, you know, turning the entire town into vampires. Vampires. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like it I just, can,
2: I can describe the feeling of the movie in two separate ways. The first half of the movie feels like an episode of Murder, She Wrote. And then the second half of the movie feels like it belongs in a different movie that characters from another movie are watching on TV. I could see that. It's yeah. a very
0: weird feeling as well. Like the, the entire movie, like, it's just like, I, it's so all over the place with it. But I think, again... That center is this is a this is a horror movie centered on the town of you know Jerusalem's lot, Salem's Lot, so have you. And that's kind of like where this thrives. And I I mean I love films like that, and I feel like just like Mike was saying, this was came out in the late 70s, and this was before Stephen King became popular. So leading up through this, this adaptation, this book, and everything about Salem's Lot kind of inspired later films like all through the 80s and 90s television shows and everything like we like i mentioned twin peaks for example we see like really shows and long form entertainment based around a town and that's what i love about it. i love i just love like stephen king's vibe whenever he writes about towns like even pet cemetery in a way kind of felt like it was like about the town you know what i mean like it, it's yeah. a very small portion, but you still see that kind of like, you know, you have it like Mike mentioned earlier. That's the town of Dairy. It's you know solely about you. You don't just. It's not just about Pennywise and the kids. You see all around that town, like, and you start meeting people, and like it just it it really feels like small town America. And Salem's yeah, and Law, he did it again. Salem's
2: Law, and then in, when he does movies like Needful Things, it's like Castle Rock, the town of Castle Rock. Yes. It's all these small town where everything is, that the town is the center of the horror, not the people.
0: Exactly, and this is what seemed like it was the first one, because obviously he did Carrie right before this. Carrie did have a little bit of small town fill, but this was the first true stephen king movie that really kicked off like the towns i feel like without this without a salem's lot i feel like we wouldn't have later works like it and things like that from him be so centered around the town as it is if it wasn't for salem's lot succeeding so well that really kicked off to the career and you have to show like a great deal of respect for what that did for generations of horror past that and I think for a television adaptation and for, you know, an early Stephen King, they did a great job. I mean, I, we were – I felt the atmosphere. Again, this is Toby Hooper. Um, he was a young filmmaker. It was after Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was a television movie. I mean, there's obviously been some great television movies. I mean, what was it? Um, Legend of Hell House. Wasn't that one um, a television movie? Mm-hmm. That, that's a yeah. great television movie. 70s had some really good television movies. Uh, moments to it and i think this was definitely one of them so overall i mean i would have to easily get i have to give this an, like an eight a high eight maybe even a nine like i'm and I'm saying like it's a very very high eight just for what it is and how interesting it is and how it does bring that small town america vibe and how it really changed stephen king's career and horror in the future There's just so much
2: to it yeah, I'm not sure if if cutting any of the small parts out of like the first half would make it any of a better of a movie. Because usually when it's something that's like really long or really boring, you're like, oh, if they could have just edited this down to like a 90 minute film, it'd be much better. But I don't think it would work that way because the way that the characters are made and just the like the atmosphere that it develops from that length of a film, I think it's even though it is boring and that does have an effect on my rating for it I think it's needed to have the main story be more entertaining and so with that uh because of the boringness of the first half um <laughs> I I think there could have been a lot more to it like Mike said earlier he wanted more from it and I'm the same way I wanted more from this um but I liked what I saw uh I gave it a seven so that's a pretty fair reading yeah
1: i was gonna say yeah um you really can't take anything away out of this movie after now seeing it i mean i i did mention earlier yeah if you cut out 30 minutes or 40 minutes but i think it would have taken too much out of the what they were trying to get out of this movie or make out of this movie um, you know i was fully invested in the characters the town um even though, like kind of what like I said, it was very slow in the beginning, but I was still interested. I was still entertained. Something kept me like wanting to know more. Um, but I wish more would have happened, I guess. And I don't even know. I guess that's kind of contradicting, but I wanted a little bit more out of it. Um I enjoyed it. I loved it. Would I sit down and and watch it again? Probably. Um, but it was missing a little something for me and I, I keep going back and forth. Is it a six? Yeah. It was, and there is, I was like, is it, it seven, six, seven, eight? I'm going to, I'm going to go with Lax. Um, it, it's too good to be a six. I think it needed to be a little more to get to an eight for me. So I give it a seven.
0: I think it's pretty fair. I think that, um I mean, it's, Interesting to know that they're making another one, apparently, but they've already made wow. another one. So I don't know how that one's going to go because I don't think it's going to be a three-hour film. So I don't know gotcha. if they kind of like cut right to, you know, wanting to buy the house and it not be available. I'm like, oh, what's going on? Maybe that would have helped. But again, I think that having that one hour kind of opening, not even montage, I would even say, like the hour opening to the town – and kind of introducing everybody and what's going on. I, I do feel like that kind of like really helped later on like Chris was saying with the with the story overall so I don't know if they cut that out of the new movie which I think they probably did um, who knows so we'll see I don't even know if the new movie is coming out anymore because it was filmed in like was it like 2021 or something Or they were trying to film it in, it was supposed to come out right after Pet Cemetery, the newer one And they were going to film Salem's Lot next. And then I think they did film it. Like, I think it's done. And it just, it was shelved and it was supposed to come out in like 2021, 2022, 2023. I don't know where it is or what's going on. Hmm. I'm curious to see because I think this is going to be a high, I think it was a semi, you know, high budget film. Like it was like 30, $40 million.
1: I would definitely be interested in seeing that. I really would.
2: To. I know that there's a, there's a sequel to this one as well. It's called uh, Return to Salem's Lot. There was a remake done. I think it was in like the mid nineties. I think it was, or it might have been even later than that, but it's a, uh, it was done. I think Mick Garris did that one as well. Like the, the remake of it. It was a TV version as well. Um, so I'm interested in checking those out. This was a first time viewing for me. Um, I never read the yeah. book, so I, I couldn't yeah. judge anything from that um I I don't know why it eluded from me all these years but I just never did watch it I don't know if it was because yeah. of it being from the 70s and I just never took the or I I think it might have been the miniseries aspect of it it was just it's a long long time to invest and I just never took the time to do it but I'm glad I watched yeah. it I'm glad you picked this because even though that it's got a lot of boring stuff to it and it took a long time to get through I enjoyed it and I found myself wanting to see more stuff about this. I want to see another, I want to see the sequel now. So
0: yeah, I mean, it slips through a lot of people's fingertips, like even mine for a long time. It slipped through my fingertips because of the running time. And I mean, it's probably one of the longest horror movies ever created. Like it's definitely in the top 10. So I think that's, I can why definitely
1: why believe that. Made. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that's why it's so underseen <laughs> is because no one wants to see right. over three hour runtime for salem's yeah. lot so they kind of just skip it for that reason but
2: and that record top 10 belongs to every single stephen king adaptation
0: <laughs> yeah honestly <laughs> yeah I'm, it chapter two was close to three hours just by itself so yeah
2: well rose red isn't rose think, red like a five-hour movie
0: well rose red was a mini series like um salem's lot as well there's been a lot of king adaptations i think it's because his books are so long um they do yeah like, short series like under <laughs> like, well, under the dome it was a series they did Castle Rock, which was the series. Rose Red, Salem's Lot. It. What else? Most one I don't want to think of, that might be all of them. But there's been yeah. some, they they do that a lot, and I think that it's definitely a turn off. But Salem's Lot definitely. I would suggest anybody listening to this check it out, bite the bullet because it's <laughs> doing something there. They have something. So for sure, they definitely do. At, What seven fourteen twenty two. I've already lost.
1: Okay. Well, my pick was a newer movie. Um, It was happy death day. Um, So happy death day is basically a, it's about a college student that must relive the day of her murder over and over again, uh, basically in a loop until like she finds out, she finds out who, who kills her. And, um, I saw this movie when it first came out. I'm thinking, what was it, 2017? I'll have to check. Yeah, 2017. So I I saw this. Actually, I think I saw this with my sister and I really enjoyed it in 2017 when I first saw it. Loved it. I was like, man, this is cool. This is hip. This is new. This is definitely a different take on horror. So going into this movie, if you ever seen like Groundhog Day with, uh, um, God, um, Bill Murray. I think Bill Murray. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's basically kind of resembles that in a horror slash comedy in a way, reliving the same day over and over again until she figures it out. Um, I. I really like the chemistry between um, the main actress and uh, the guy in it. Uh, I'll, I'll get their names. Uh, Jessica Roth. And is it Israel? Uh, it, uh, her name in the movie is uh, Tree Carter. and Carter, or that Carter, and I love their chemistry between each other. Um, and I'll will go more into uh, what the movie's about, but I really want to focus on their chemistry because I think their chemistry really holds this movie together. Um, it's 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 entertaining. There is some fun, there is some comedy. Um, I really like the. The tree character, because she's at first just like this snobby bitch, you know, doesn't care about anything. Just the way she looks and who she's hanging out with and how cool she presents herself. And then it's kind of like a life lesson. You keep reliving this day and she kind of finds out how shitty of an individual she is.
2: She doesn't change. She does not change. She's still a shitty person at the end of the movie.
1: Well, okay, so... (laughs) I I think so the moral, like, I think what the movie wanted you to look at other than, you know, yeah, she's she's a bitch, but she gets better. I guess she learns to
0: she learns that there's love in the world.
1: Yes, pretty much. <laughs> and she's not and she's not the only like she's not the queen of 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 the university, basically. Um, she the killer, got, she,
2: so, you know, the, she starts off and she's like, I'm a complete bitch. But I keep reliving the same day over and over again. Maybe I have to change my ways. Maybe I should be good. That will stop me from having to relive the day. Well, shit, that didn't work. I guess I'll go back to being a shitty person again. Right.
1: <laughs> See, and I thought, so, like, with the kills in the movie, or in the movie, I thought they were done pretty cool, pretty creative. You know, uh, there was a part in the bell tower where she jumps down and hangs herself to, like, kill herself quickly, to bring her alive again, to live another day. The killer in the movie... I the baby face kind of got me. I didn't love the baby face. Now I, I don't know why. Maybe in 2017, I really loved this movie and I was looking back and, um I rated this movie in 2017. I rated it a nine, but rewatching it. Yeah. Rewatching it. Uh, it's definitely not my rating now, but I still enjoyed the movie, um, for the most part because, um, if you go into this movie and you expect like, Defying horror, you know, like bloody, gory, scary. Um, it it's not the movie you're you're gonna get. Um but it doesn't mean this is a bad movie by any means to, in in my opinion. Um relating back to the main characters, I feel like they have the great the great chemistry together. Um but it, it it's missing something, I feel like, in this movie. I wish it was a little bit darker. I wish it was a little bit more like, you know, um uh, some some extra kills in it or something it's just it's it's missing a little um but i want to ask you guys questions first and then i'll keep going into what the movie's based on so kind of give me your 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 input on it
2: okay so the second the movie starts you know what kind of movie you're getting into because the the, the company logo, which is Universal, they're, they're the company that put this out there. When the when the movie starts, the Universal logo pops up, and then it does the whole repeat thing. It's like – yep. And it re- rewinds itself, and it does it like four times. So you know right off the bat what kind of movie you're getting into. It's going to be a comical-type movie. But the comedy doesn't work every like i'm interested in the movie i like the kills i think the story is fun with the repeating the same day groundhog style over and over again her trying to figure out who the killer is it's interesting to see where they go with it but the they try to make it comical and the comedy is completely does not fit the tone of the movie whatsoever and there's a scene where the girl realizes like, like she can do anything she wants to do and nobody is going to remember it the next day because it's the same day over and over again. So she like literally walks out the door completely naked and like walks around the campus and like doing this little like, uh, you know, makes the gun fingers and stuff and points them at people and like squints her eyes like. Ka-choo. And it was just like the comedy just doesn't work. It's, it's too almost like a parody version of a movie that she's in. And it doesn't, I don't know, I didn't like the, the way that they did the comedy in it. Um, but I did like the, the, the story where she's trying to figure out, and I actually got mad at myself. I, 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 the second, I'm going to spoil the movie. So if you're listening, haven't seen it and you don't want to know who the killer is, go ahead and stop listening now because we're going to explain who the killer is. So the second that the, when, when she starts like reliving the day, she wakes up, she goes out of, you know, she gets out of the bed, she goes across campus, all this stuff happens. She goes into her dorm room and her roommate is like, hey, uh, I made you a cupcake. And she like takes the cupcake and she throws it in the garbage can. I immediately went, she's the killer. And then, then I started thinking like as the movie progressed, I was like, oh, they're going to do something. They're going to have a twist where they're going to make it like, she's the killer. I was like, what they're going to do is she's, oh, it's going to be where she, she is such a shitty person. She's going to realize that, She's the killer and she's trying to stop herself from being such a crappy person. This is the only way to do it. And she, once she realizes that she's a good person, that she can be a good person, that's going to stop her from, you know, from dying. And so when it wasn't, when they revealed who the killer was, I was like, fuck, it's just some random guy in the hospital. Like that's <laughs> yeah. fucking stupid. And then it realizes that, you know, you realize it's not him, it was actually the yeah. girl all along. I was like, but yeah. now I'm mad that it was the person I chose the first part of the movie. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> See, I think it was gr I
0: don't really have a problem with the comedy. Um I more so had a problem with the horror aspect to it because it definitely was not horror um by any shape. I think the closest thing you could say is like it was kind of slashery. But even at that point, it wasn't really. To slashery. Um, I do think they planned the gimmick really well, though. Um, I think that it was really cool to see, you know, you don't really necessarily know what's going to be coming next. And each day, as you see her relive it, you can kind of see that comedy come out. And what I thought was like really interesting about the comedy coming out throughout was just like how she was almost sarcastic over it, which kind of like puts back to what Chris said. she's kind of a bitch. I mean, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. I think that overall, it kind of just put into that kind of trope to her character, like, hey, you know, fuck it, I'm stuck in this time loop for the rest of my life, as far as I know, and I'm just going to relive the same day over and over and get killed at the end of it, and she's just kind of, like, embracing it at that point, she's like, you know, you know what I mean, dum da 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 kind of thing. But aside from that, I don't – the question I have is I don't understand why the hell she was in a time loop to begin with. Even if, you know, the killer wasn't really the killer and then she was going to get poisoned by the cupcake and then all this. And then the guy at the beginning, they fall in love at the end. I don't really understand the true point of why it was presented that way.
2: Yeah, it's never explained. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I don't really want to question it because I think it's – it makes it like more entertaining. It makes a very lackluster story. Cause if you if you strip that away, strip away the gimmick of reliving the same day over and over. What story do you have? You have a story of some girl who hooks up with this guy, well, not really hook up, but what they thought at the time when she was drunk, hook up. Wake up, go, get killed. Turns out it's her roommate killing her instead. And there's a bunch of other logistics. She falls in love with a guy that she supposedly thought she slept with the night before. There's really nothing to the story. Um, it just, I think I looked down after the very first day replayed. It takes 12 and a half minutes just to get through the first day. And then at the hour mark, we're still going and reliving the same scenes over and over from the very beginning. And nothing really happens until an hour and 15 minutes in. And then we have almost like a saw like uncovering like, oh, it was him who did it. Actually, it's them who did it. It's because of this and all of that. So I really don't understand the true point of the film like at all. And now Happy Death Day to You, which is the sequel to this one I want to talk about just real quick, too, because if you guys have seen that one. It actually kind of embraces it a little bit better and they it's not even a, at this point, it's not even horror. It wasn't a slasher. It was just straight up comedy and the comedy landed and it did a, a great job. I'm not saying it's a better film than the first one, but I mean, I think that people understand the format from the first movie and carrying on the second movie and not taking itself serious at all was a lot better than this one, because I think the first one, it takes itself a little bit serious at times. It's like, you know, we're going to we're going to make this funny and goofy and, like, you know, we're going to try to attract a young audience. But at the same time, we want this to be a horror movie that has actual stakes. But when they put actual real stakes to it, it doesn't hold up. So did you guys understand anything about why there was a time loop? Because I, I don't get it.
2: <laughs>
1: the time- I don't think it explained it. it. Yeah, I don't think it really <laughs> yeah. explained it to it's yeah, almost kind of like a, a, a newer movie of like clue in a way like who did it where why, why? but it never really explains itself um, it is yeah.
0: funny like, i can't completely just like say oh that, that sucks because it wasn't explained but at the same time it's just like it was kind of stupid because it wasn't explained at all there was no reason for her to be in this time to begin with but i mean as
2: the- I mean, most of the movie like the story's been done a million times in the whole time loop thing and a like, majority of the time, like you can, you can figure it out yourself. That what Mike was saying that the reason she's in it is because she needs to make sure that she's a better person. But like in this one, it doesn't happen. She doesn't become a better. Like in most movies, when somebody's stuck in a time loop, they got to figure out why they're in the time loop to stop it from happening.
0: Her. She finds And the- that
2: uh, that's it, just, it. Doesn't make any sense while she's in it, but it doesn't necessarily have to be explained. Uh, there's another movie that's from like the late 90s uh that did this really well it's a french film called run lola run and i don't know if you've seen it um it's about these uh these two guys who rob a bank and the girlfriend of one of the bank robbers wakes up and has to repeat the day over and stop the guy from robbing the bank it's actually a really really well version of this movie Mm -hmm. uh, of the story um I don't know if I can't remember the, the comedy aspect of it, but there's no reason why she's in the time loop. But you just know that she's in the time loop because she needs to figure out how to stop the bank robber from happening. In this one, she's in the time loop because she has to make herself a better person, which doesn't happen. Chris, uh, or, or, right now you're just or, or, or I could see love. this.
1: She found her love. Or, or I could see this. So. <laughs> It, it explains briefly that her mother passed away. So it's like accepting her mother, her mother passing and her relationship with her father. is like kind of bad, you know, but they kind of rekindle that, you know, when she goes to a meeting for lunch or something and she's like, you know, they're they kind of talk about the his wife and her mom, like, you know, and it kind of gives you the sense of like maybe acceptance like, hey, she's gone. I'm here for you as a father. And it kind of goes into like off screen unless it's something I, about like a, a, a time I, loop with with like the, the accepting of the loss or rekindling the relationship with the with the father. I don't think it is it, though, but you could you could look at it that way.
2: Maybe. But I mean, if, if we did focus on that point, we did the entire movie over and over and over and over again just to get three minutes of her going to her dad to hold his hand for three seconds like.
1: Right, right, and i'm I'm not saying that is it, and that's it's more than likely not, but that took so many times, and that's actually towards the end of the movie, and it's like they they kind of patched that 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 up, and then boom, it's not I mean maybe thirty more minutes the movie's over. so that's it's why like, I think
2: the idea that I had that I thought they were gonna go with where it reveals that she's the killer of herself because she's a bad person. I thought would have been much better of a story like if she would have been like when they revealed the killer and she would have been the person she'd been like how do i stop myself from becoming this horrible person
1: that, and that so. would have been
2: that would have been the perfect way to tell the story and that would have been like oh i know what i need to do And she would have rekindled her relationship with her father fell in love with the boy made friends with all the people that she had been wronged to and not had to be where there's her roommate was jealous because she kissed some other guy like it i don't know it
0: well i think that the idea was they were wanting to keep it light-hearted um to some degree but i right. remember like they almost make a joke out of the whole entire time loop thing he's she's like why today and they're like was anything happening today blah 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 and she's like well it's my birthday and he's like that's it and she's like why is the beetle it's my birthday And he's like it's symbolic so it's almost kind of like a joke at that point like guess, both, yeah like, oh well
2: you know you're stuck <laughs> on his birthday at the end of it, too, if if you remember at the end, they're talking to each other. And he goes, oh, by the way, have you ever seen the movie Groundhog Day?
0: Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But again, it kind of uses that weird, like, kind of cheap um, humor that kind of just really convolutes the entire thing down to the point where it gets almost annoying. Um, yeah. it, it, the gimmick's kind of fun, but I mean, overall, it's just i mean we have a, a film here that just really doesn't make any sense to why
2: you know how in most movies at least most horror comedies the comedy is played during the same time that something horrific is happening and that's where like the tone equals out well this one it was almost like we got to show something horrific which really wasn't that horrific but and then it's like now stop now we have to have a moment of comedy now stop the comedy, okay, now we can go back to having something serious. All right, stop again, we have to have a, a moment of comedy. Mm. There was just, it tonally it did not work, for me at least. I thought it was just two completely different tones, uh, all just kind of sliced in there at different random times. It didn't fit. There was no overlay of of the comedy and horror mixed together. But again, I
0: don't think it was absolutely insufferable to watch. Like I think that no, they tried to make something that was very lighthearted for the most part, very light on the, like the horror aspects to it. Wanted to make something that was definitely just kind of like a, you have fun watching it in a theater, kind of playing along with friends kind of thing. I don't think they did that too well, but they did an okay job. So I'm going to say overall, it's an okay movie for that reason. It's definitely something that. I mean, it's my birthday. It's my birthday. And I, and, and that just literally stuck in my head afterwards. So it did something right. Cause I remember like you remember that day very well. She wakes up, <laughs> misses the call from her dad. The guy's like, Oh, I was letting I was letting you sleep in. I folded your jeans. And like she gets to the point where she's like, I already know what you're gonna say. I know your name. Don't talk to me kind of thing. So I think that, you know, it did do something right because you do remember very small details throughout the day. So it replays it very well. Um, so I mean that was one thing going for it at least.
1: For sure, yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and because of that. Yeah, because of that, like as you were saying, it's uh I, I gave it a five. It's just right there in the middle. It's not terrible. It it's not inseparable, as you were saying, Tyler. You can watch it, you can probably watch it again. Um, I don't know if I'd want to really, but I mean, I could watch it again if I had to. But I, I also don't know if I could really recommend this for other people to view as well. Uh, so I gave it right there in the middle. It's a five.
0: I would recommend watching Happy Death Day to you instead of watching this one again. They're both one and done. Like they're both films. Like, oh, I'm glad I saw that. You know, I kind of laughed one or two times. I'm done. You know what I mean? So I think that I'm, I would give them both the same rating. I would also give them probably, I'm going to go, I'll go, I'll go five. Five, I think is fair.
1: Yeah. So I, I remember mentioning it, like when I saw this a long time ago, I, I, I have a huge crush on the Jessica, the actress in this movie for some reason. I, I've always <laughs> That's I've why always you had,
0: gave it a nine
1: more. Right? Well, <laughs> at that time, yes. And like, I don't know what it is. I guess rewatching it now. I see how annoying she is, you know, in the movie. And it's like, maybe it's where I'm older and I'm just not, you know, vibing with it. But, um, it is a forgettable movie, but you don't, if it's on TV and flipping through the channels, might watch it. It, it. It's, it's not a terrible watch, but it's not rememberable either. Um, it's, it, it's more of a, like you said, a slasher. not much. It misses with a comedy on it. Um, and I kind of like, you know, it shows you how much you, have, I have, I have changed in view movies as well from six, seven, eight years ago, you know. So, um, it, well, some it, movies it don't short. age well
0: either. Like they, you watch right. them one time and you're like, "This is great," and you watch again, it's like, "This did not age." Like,
1: like what did that? What was I thinking? <laughs> um And it's kind of on this movie because I was excited. I picked this movie because I haven't seen this in years either, and I was like, "Man, I'm we'll gonna rewatch this." And when I picked it and I was watching it, I watched this movie first because I was really excited about this. And when I watched it, I was like, wow, like it doesn't give me the same feel like it did, you know, when I first saw it. So I, I'm right there. Um, I was almost going to give it a four, but because of Jessica, because I really am digging her, I, I am giving it a five as well.
0: I guess I'll say I'm going to give it a 10. That's why I'm going to give it a
1: 10. It's, <laughs> it's going to get a 12. <laughs> no, I gave it a five. I, I think that's a fair, fair rating.
0: Uh, I mean, We're, I think we're all very, it's kind of interesting because that's 15, but um, I think it's really interesting that we all three, I think, agreed more than we've ever agreed before on the show. Yeah. Right there, right there in line. So I think that's really cool. Definitely. So, um, Chris is the clear winner of Fright Fights with Pet Cemetery. I think rightfully so. Yeah.
1: I mean, hands down, the guy that drinks his own piss wins. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: like <laughs> <laughs> Chris is like trying to get like resituated right now. We're just like sitting. Yeah.
1: Here.
2: My headphones died, so I had to change the uh input setting. Oh, we were
1: talking very highly you, man. Yeah, we were. Just, yeah, we were
0: just, right, you. job. <laughs> the taste level was immaculate. You mean, yeah, like, like this.
1: I mean. it, a strong taste of, of success.
0: Yeah, a strong taste okay. as well. Pardon,
1: guys. I got to get a drink of in here real quick. <laughs> I'm going to admit, Lachs, you got some clear looking ear in there, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, y'all, let's take just a quick moment here. Um, take a quick break. We're going to come back in just a second because we have a will to be spent in here for the next time. So we'll see you guys in one second. <laughs>
2: Welcome back guys from the short break that we just had and we are ready to pick our next topic for the next episode and uh, again we'll go over all the listings of choices we have for this wheel that we're getting ready to spin uh, for possible topics. We have 80s slasher films, found footage, possession flicks, clown town, films from the year you were born, werewolves, shark attack commentaries, interviews, tier ranking, family horror, and John Carpenter films. So the will will land on one of these topics and we will choose from, we will choose movies from that topic. So Tyler, go ahead and spin the wheel.
0: Okay. Here we
1: go. Oh God.
2: <laughs> oh. I have a question. I have a question though. What? Okay, landed on film footage. Didn't we already do a film footage episode? I thought we, we did. did. We did. You know what? Spin Let's
1: it again. Here we go.
2: <laughs> spin it again.
1: <laughs> we're gonna spin it until we want to stop. Right?
0: <laughs> we already know what we're gonna spin it till we land on
2: here. We did because we <laughs> had uh hey.
0: Oh my god, like,
1: yes, yes John
2: Carpenter films. <laughs> All right. I Legendary. just added that to the wheel. I
1: love you know that. I, I think
2: I know what I think I know what Mike's gonna choose. Yep. <laughs> I'm
1: I'm gonna, I'm already gonna pick uh I'll go ahead and tell you on the show here right now. Uh, I'm gonna pick uh Halloween two, the original in eighty one.
2: <laughs>
1: God, it's my all time favorite.
2: You know, and...
0: Do you know what you're gonna choose, Chris? Because we may be able just to just straight up say it now. Are you thinking so?
1: Yeah.
2: I think so. Um, it depends on what you choose, Tyler.
0: Alright, well, I'm going to be choosing...
1: Remember, we've already watched The Fog. Alright, um... Hey, we can do The Thing. That's a good one.
0: I was going to say I'm going to choose The Thing.
1: Ooh, yeah. That was going to be my second choice, Tyler. Alright,
2: I know what I'm choosing.
0: Alright, so we have Halloween 2?
2: Yes, yes.
0: We have...
2: The thing. Thing. And then Craig is right
0: gonna choose
1: They Live. This is well, awesome. this is literally well, this. I cannot wait show. to I am watch this.
0: So excited. And let me tell you, I will say that the thing is top five horror and right there with it is Halloween. And then right behind my top five horror, They Live is one of my favorite John Carpenter. Same.
1: Honestly, <laughs> all three of these are I mean probably Halloween's like, oh, all time. Thing's in my top probably three, five. I mean, and then They Live is, oh my God, a classic. So, yeah.
0: <clears throat> Dude,
1: this is I'm awesome. I'm excited.
0: Well, I do appreciate everybody for tuning in. Um, I think that the next show we are psyched for. Um, I had a great time tonight talking. Um, also, I do want to mention that we, um, at the top of the show, we mentioned VoidCon, um, Fright Fights will be there. So if you ever, if you're in the area of Huntington, West Virginia, um that convention will be taking place downtown there. Um we will have a booth there. We'll be love to chat movies with you. We will sign anything you want us to sign. We'll just be there in in presence. So if you want to just hang out, chat some movies, talk to us a little bit, definitely stop by. Don't be shy to say hi. Um, you know, Mike's probably going to be with his um girlfriend from um Happy death day. Yes, happy
1: death day. And listen, we'll let you all record Lax <laughs> Drink His Own Urine. So it's going to be great. It's going
0: to be great. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, guys, it's been awesome. um Definitely looking forward to the next yeah. time.
2: So we'll check it out there. See ya.